Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode, another week of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson with you, along with Michael Remus, and uh, really looking forward to the next couple of hours. We have a packed show, so much to get to coming out of the weekend. We've got some great guests lined up. Jeff Hamilton is with the Winnipeg Free Press in Montreal. He was in Ottawa last night. We'll get the latest from the road with Hammer coming up a little later on. And really looking forward to having Dave Poulin, who's going to be joining us on a semi-regular basis going forward for the next couple months into the playoffs. Uh, Dave, of course, was part of the TSN broadcast of Jets Ottawa last night. We'll have Dave on, get his thoughts on uh, you know, the final stretch of games for the Winnipeg Jets, where they're at right now, and of course, what he saw last night in the game. And hey, Masters weekend is behind us. What a great four days, especially those of you that rode with us on the lock shop for Scotty Scheffler. Big win, his first green jacket. We'll break it all down with our favorite Mark Zacchino of Golf Talk Canada a little bit later on in the program. So Poulin, Hammer, and Mark Zacchino, all coming up. Should be a great show. Glad to have you all with us. And uh, hey, shout out to DQ Nick, who's in the chat right now, as well as everyone that has popped in early to get after it on another week. Listen, before I get Michael Remus in here, a big thanks to all of our sponsors, including DQ Nick and our friends over at the Nick and Nikki DQ group, as well as Vita Health, F Apparel, Wallace and Wallace. Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course our betting friends over at Cool Bet Canada. Let's get things underway and welcome in Michael Remus to the program. Remo, what's going on? How are you? What's going on? Well, I'm great weekend of sports. Baseball, the Jays home opener was Friday. We had the Jays, I'm not the Jets, great game against Colorado, ended in an overtime loss. Baseball opening weekend, the Masters, another Jets win last night. I'm feeling good about that. However, I see it's already come up in the chat. I'm very nervous about this, these weather, extreme weather reports <laughs> that are coming in for this, this week. This is unbelievable. It's, um, I don't usually get nervous about weather, but. I think they got me on this one. Uh, what worst storm in decades going back yeah, to 97. Yeah. Let's address the elephant in the room right now. And, mm. and if you're from out of the market uh, or maybe an ex Winnipegger that is watching this show from somewhere else, congratulations. You've made some great decisions in your life to not be here this well, frankly, this entire damn winter. Uh, but this is a serious kick in the nuts for everyone in, in Southern Manitoba. The alert right now that's come out in this winter storm watch has some verbiage that I don't know if I can ever remember. Major spring blizzard is poised to wallop southern Manitoba. Widespread snowfall accumulations of 30 to 50 centimeters accompanied by northerly winds gusting 70 to 90, giving zero visibility at snow and blowing snow. Here's what is really stands out. Do not plan to travel. This storm has the potential to be the worst blizzard in decades. Stock up on needed supplies and medications now. Remo, uh, it, it's an apocalyptic forecast for Winnipeg over the next few days. Yeah, so I, we're seeing a lot of questions. Um, the ice are supposed to play Thursday, and they travel by bus. I'm curious about that. The Jets play Seattle here Wednesday. I'm supposed to go to that game. 
So, well, I don't know what's going to happen. We'll wait and see. He's not here yet, so. But I wonder if, uh, I think Seattle, I think Mike was tweeting about a McIntyre. Like, they're supposed to travel to late Tuesday after their game in Calgary. I don't know what the weather's going to be like here. I'm assuming if it's really terrible, like, they wouldn't be able to come. But, I mean, who knows? Weather. If weather we're talking predi- about yeah. one of the worst blizzards in decades, there is absolutely a probability or a potential, I'd say, a possibility that the airport will be closed. Roads will certainly potentially be closed, especially outside of the city. So I think everything is somewhat touch and go for the next few days in and around Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba. I'm just seeing, by the way, I mean, I think most of you uh, know that I'm a bit of a, a bit of a weather nerd uh, and these sort of things are ominous, but also fun to fun to check out. But the best, best follow on Twitter for this weather stuff is Rob's OBS. He's a retirement, uh, retired Environment Canada meteorologist. His follower count is, goes up huge when these sort of events happen, Reem. But he's just put out five minutes ago, lots of new info coming in today on upcoming MB Storm. I'll have an update later this afternoon after more analysis and ECCC updates. So uh, we will stay on top of this. Maybe we'll even get Rob's OBS on the show tomorrow. He did. Uh, do you remember that when I had him on the warm-up that one time, Reem? Vaguely. Vaguely remember. I yeah, know I, you, know. I know your obsession with weather, but I know this is Winnipeg. This isn't Winnipeg weather talk, but if this storm does have the potential to affect the the ice and the Jets games, well, then I think we have to talk about it. But well, listen, I mean, it's Winnipeg sports talk, but the great thing is we can. Uh, it is it is malleable topics here on the program. We're going to get mm-hmm. to all the things that we have to do, but I mean, let's face it, everyone's talking about this and. I was I was out eating on Saturday and I started getting these alerts and I'm going you have got to be kidding me but uh, overall that sucked uh, it probably is going to suck in a couple of days when this hits us uh, but there was a heck of a lot to talk about coming out of the weekend and that uh, we may as well start off with the Winnipeg Jets uh, got a win broke the losing streak last night against the Ottawa Senators. And I thought had a a pretty fun game on Friday night against the Colorado Avalanche. Can't say enough about the leadership that Josh Morrissey's showing right now. You know, I thought that, you know, with the goalie pulled, making the save to keep the Jets in and then eventually tying the game up last night was exactly what you want to see from important players on the club right now with not much else left to play for. Uh, But last night, uh, pretty ugly first period. Um, like no sense of urgency. And, and listen, I can sort of get that. I'm not sure what anyone's urgent about. The the, uh, the ships basically left the wharf, if you will, when it comes to the playoffs. Uh, but Connor Hellebuck kept him in um, and got a few goals a little later on and uh, and ended up getting a, a win, which is, is nice, but certainly a lot of questions coming out of that game. And we'll get to the clips in a minute, but we heard from Paul Stastny afterward in a very interesting uh, post-game presser with head coach Dave Lowry, who, um, I don't know, maybe used a little bit of a different approach, but it involved yelling at his team after the first period, saying, wake the hell up. And to their credit, they did. Yeah, we'll start. I'll start with Friday. You know, one of the more entertaining games of the year at Canada Life, the Jets dropping 5-4. Josh, I mean, could you imagine if the Jets were like, were actually had a chance for the playoffs? Last time I checked was 0.3% for money puck. And like that JMO save, it would be put on a stamp. It would be highlighted everywhere. And that's, <laughs> sorry, that's Hustler's uh, building there. Um, There's some uh, fire alarm testing that may be an issue throughout the program. Yeah, we'll see. I we'll thought see. it was just a hot take alert for Michael Remus. Yeah, but, no. but uh, what, a, what a performance. You know, it, 
you see that effort against Colorado and how they've brought it against some top teams in their division, like St. Louis, Tampa. And you're like, well, why can't they just do that every game? But then you see the first period last night against Ottawa, against a team that's playing back-to-back. And you've seen that first period how many times in the last month against Vegas, um, against, you know, actually Detroit, they kind of tapered off. But uh, against Ottawa before, I mean, they're playing these fringe playoff teams, Columbus, Arizona, Buffalo, and they're all these close games, which, you know, leads me to believe maybe the Jets aren't as good as we think. But I think these slow starts where they give up a lot of shots, just way too common of a theme. And I think a lot of fans were happy to hear that uh, Dave Lowry, I think he was at his breaking point. He finally, finally had enough. And we have have that clip. Uh, One thing I wanted to know about the Jets overtime loss to Colorado. I looked into it and I was like, you know, you know what? Seems like the Jets are getting hosed in overtime. Are they taking more penalties than they're receiving? It's funny you say that. Certainly okay. earlier on, like yeah. during the losses, there was a number of games where they ended up, you know, giving up a power play goal on a four on three earlier on in so, the season. There has been a strain. You know, it's funny. We'd have to do a little bit more I, of an uh, audit on. Oh, have you done it? I've already done that audit. So there have been the Jets have played, what, 18 games to shoot out in overtime. They've taken a penalty in five of those. Um, they've taken a penalty. Three of them, they've given up the p- winner on the power play in overtime. They've lost. They lost the other one in a shootout and they won the one against Buffalo. Interestingly enough, Nikolai Ehlers has taken three penalties in overtime, um, which I was surprised. And then they've. Been, they've had two power plays in overtime, uh, and they did not score on either of those power plays. And McDavid took one of those penalties. Remember that Oilers game where they had power play at the end of regulation, and then yeah. again in overtime and couldn't win. And then Crosby took the penalty in Pittsburgh, where I thought they played very well that game, but couldn't score on Tristan Jerry. So, um, you know, I think when you do an audit of the season of the Jets, their play in overtime, uh, in overtime and shootouts, I think is going to be a huge factor. The game is against Dallas. There's a lot of fat. There's, there's many factors overall, but I think overtime, I mean, it's just such thin, thin margin, but they just couldn't get it done over and over. Well, I mean, yeah, you mentioned that audit. Um, you know, I know Darren Drager, and we talked about this on the show on Friday, I guess, reporting that, you know, with the disappointment of this season, there's going to be a full top to bottom audit of the organization in some ways, I guess, an autopsy on this season going forward. I um, mean, we've spent plenty of time talking about it. I think anything's possible going forward. And, you know, I got, I had to think about that, Remus, when we saw Mark Shifley get hurt, um, you know, with a parent shoulder injury, he won't play today. And you wonder if he'll play the rest of the season. Um, and if that is the case, lots of talk about what may or may not happen in this off season. And um, what a weird way that would be to have things end for Mark Shifley mm-hmm. uh, injured in a nothing game on a Sunday night against the Ottawa senators. Yeah. I've already seen tweets out of Montreal that Shifley calling Shifley a faker just doesn't want to play in front of the bell center oh! crowd. <laughs> you know, the Habs fans coming up with, they were bringing their, their cakes to the game that said Shifley public enemy number one. They're ready uh, to boo him. Uh, Kind of disappointing for the storyline that he won't be playing in this game. But also more interesting, I mean, who's going to be, like, who's going to be in the lineup for this team? They called up Mikey Isamont from the Moose on an emergency recall, but you're down Shafley, you're down Blake Wheeler. I know the Jets, are, we kind of keep, you know, plugging the storyline about their slim playoff hopes, but, I mean... You do, they... I don't. <laughs> well, they're not math- mathematically eliminated. We still have to act like... 
still got to act like they got a chance if they win, you know, what, 12 out of the last 10 games here. So we'll wait and see, <laughs> see what happens with the, with the lineup. Um, but I'm, I mean, we, we won't hear anything from uh, Dave Lowry, I guess, until early before the game. Exactly. And we'll touch base with Hammer on this coming up a little later on. But let's get to these clips. If we can, let's do Stastny first, because he spoke first and sort of let people know what had happened. And then uh, we heard from Dave Lowry after the game, who sort of addressed it as well. But uh, here's uh, Paul Stastny uh, when asked about uh, the game last night and uh, what happened in between the first and second period. We got yelled at after the first, so it kind of woke everyone up, which is, you know, maybe we've needed that for a while, so it was good to have, and I think it just kind of, we probably thought they are going to come out a little easier, or like a little more relaxed as they played last night, but um, these guys have, you know, they're, they've been playing good lately, so it doesn't matter. You know, something look at us, we always play better on the second leg back-to-back for some reason. We almost got that nothing-lose mentality, and we kind of watched too much, and Bucky made some big saves there to, to keep the game one nothing. Yeah. No, I mean, like, today's age, I think, uh, you don't see as many coaches yell, you know, because might offend some kids, but uh, sometimes it's needed. Sometimes it's needed. Yeah, exactly. And it's just sometimes you need a different voice, and whether it's within the guys inside the locker room or it's one of the coaches, it's uh, everyone kind of knew it was coming, and it was good. All right, there's Paul Stastny after last night's game. And remember, I don't know about you, I found that really, really interesting. I mean, we never really get the insight insight into what happens. And Paul Maurice famously said he didn't really talk to the players very much, you know, normally between periods or, or after games. Um, so for Dave Lowry to have to go in and crack the whip, I mean, listen, you don't want to be in that situation to begin with, but it seems like patience wearing thin. And uh, listen, I really do appreciate the honesty of Paul Stastny, who I think most of us would agree. Yeah, you know what? They maybe could have used to have been yelled at even earlier in this season if those are the results that it's going to get. But it was interesting to hear him say, yeah, and we needed it. I mean, how many games? I just was saying before, like how many games this season or in the last month we said they probably needed it? Have they come out, out of the gate slow? I mean, Hellbuck after one of the wins, when he got the helmet, he's like, all right, guys, you know what? We need <laughs> Maybe have a better start next time. Like we got the win, I got the helmet. I'm I'm super pumped. But come on, guys! And then like the next game, they come and start out slow. And it's like you hear again. You hear them talk about the schedule like so often, and you know how tough it is. And then they're the ones playing teams on the same have a back to back. And the Jets are the ones who are rested, and the Jets aren't aren't showing up. So I think you know mm-hmm. you, Paul Stasny. I mean, love hearing from the guy. Says what's on his mind. He says. Um, you know, says says like it is, and um, he says what's needed, what needs to be mm-hmm. said. And unfortunately, I think, and this all goes back to the accountability of this team or lack thereof at quite a few times this season, where I think you kind of needed a few more Paul Stassi's and maybe you know a few more. Well, acts like we got from Dave Lowry yesterday. Here's what the coach had to say after the game about uh, what Paul just spoke to. Didn't like our first period. I didn't like our puck management. I didn't like the pace we were playing. I didn't like the urgency in our game. But you know, to to their credit, we had an answer in the second period. We came out and and we did things in the second what we wanted to do at the start of the game. Well, well, we're trying to make plays, and you know that's it's it's having an understanding on how to get the momentum. 
and getting pucks in behind and, and allows us to use our speed. It allows us to create. And when we're trying to make plays at the line, this is a team that they, they play 200 feet. They, they make you work for, for your ice. They, they have their D standing up because they know they have pressure coming from behind. And when you try and force force the puck in, usually you turn it over and, and you can't get anything generated. All right, there's the head coach Dave Lowry after last night's game. So uh, um, it'll be interesting to hear. Jeff, of course, was there in the room. So we'll uh, talk a little bit more about this with Hamilton later on. Uh, but, Remo, heading into this game tonight, you alluded to uh, the emergency recall of Mikey Asimont. And, uh, you know, it, it'll be fascinating to see how things look lineup-wise. I mean, assuming that they keep Connor Dubois with Svechnikov, you'd assume that Stastny moves into the middle playing alongside Nikolai Ehlers. Um, I would think that maybe uh, Sanford gets the bump up to the Stastny Ehlers line, and I would think that Morgan Barron potentially gets a chance to you know play a few more minutes along with Adam Lowry and Mason Appleton, and AC Mont comes in on the fourth line. That, that's sort of what I'm leaning right now. But I guess as you mentioned, we really won't know probably until warmups or uh, the beginning of tonight's game. Yeah, and I don't think we know about the goalie either. I mean, I'm going to assume because it's a back-to-back that Comrie is going to go in. The last time they played yeah. back-to-back, he was playing in against uh, Toronto. And it is going uh, Montebo for Montreal, who was not good the last time these two teams played, where the Jets had a 4-0 lead, then it was 4-4, and then they won 8-4. And what a wild game that was. You know, I thought maybe I'd like to see Mason Appleton get a shot. I think he's played well, but I think he's kind of stapled to Adam Lowry and Sanford's the odd man out, and he pl- he's played up there earlier this year. And uh, how about, you know, the chemistry that Ehlers and Stasny have had? Um, you know, Nikolai Ehlers scoring the goal. I mean, technically, he was awarded awarded hey. the goal. But that pass um, to Stasny on that two-on-one, ooh, baby. I mean, the speed that he whipped that thing over on Stasny's stick on the back of the net, that was beautiful. And Stasny did speak after the game how he likes playing with Nikolai Ehlers, and we, you know, talked about how, you know, him and Chafley, sometimes it worked well, sometimes uh, didn't. I do also want to point out from last night, I really enjoyed, um, well, didn't enjoy, but Brady Kachuk's first goal on the power play. Uh, I don't think I have ever seen a penalty kill that leaves two guys all alone in front of the net, where one guy is doing a through-the-legs drop pass to the other guy who's literally two steps next to him, and Kachuk... Uh, just buried it. I don't know Kachuk's career numbers against the Jets. It seems like they're pretty good, and he had um, two yesterday. The other one, another nice, um, possibly high stick, but nice uh, hand-eye coordination on that one. That was wild. I I can't remember a guy batting the puck out of the air so perfectly um, as as that. I mean, he essentially did a baseball swing and just teed the thing up and like Mm -hmm. right into the net, into the top corner. Yeah, um, they were talking to the broadcast. Like the, uh, Kevin Sawyer was pretty sure it wasn't going to be in. Had me convinced, didn't convince the officials who said it was. And I, I have no idea. Like they show these replays, it could go either way. I was leaning. It looked kind of like it was under. It was very close. I, I have no clue. But yeah, it was. It was a goal. But uh, the the penalty kill. I looked at the Jets penalty kill this year, and this is something they'll have to look at. I mean, it's like third last, 29th in the league, and that's. It's not going to get it done. Like you're not going to be a playoff team when your penalty kill is uh, down there with Montreal and Arizona. Yeah, sorry, yeah, twenty. Vancouver, Detroit, Arizona, Montreal is just ahead of them. So, 
Um, Ottawa, I mean, the way the Jets talk about Ottawa, how they're like a, a fast-checking team they played, you'd think Ottawa was like one of the top teams in the league, but uh, they are not. They are, what, at the bottom what, bottom of the uh, Eastern Conference, near the bottom. Yeah, well, uh, it was the the done with the Sens. Habs tonight, as mm-hmm. you mentioned, no Mark Shifley. So uh, maybe some of the uh, the hype around the game will be lost a little bit. A few less bloodthirsty fans potentially at the game tonight. Um, and again, we'll talk to Jeff about how this team looks. Uh, there was some work done by the organization uh, over the course of the weekend, though, Remus, that we should talk about. Uh, a couple of Winnipeg Jet draft picks signing a deals. Henry Nikonen who is a 2019 fourth rounder and Daniel Torgerson, a 2020 second round pick, both sign ELCs with the Winnipeg Jets. And it looks like they're going to be on their way to play with the Moose for the rest of the season as they both have AHL PTOs. Um, So these aren't players we've spent a lot of time talking about, but obviously the Winnipeg Jets organization have some high hopes for him. Raymond will get a chance to see him in town, uh, potentially in the lineup for uh, some playoff action downtown. Yeah, we'll see about that. Um, Henry Nikodin playing this year in SM Liga. He's got 12 points in 60 games. As you said, a fourth-round pick in 2019. Daniel Torgerson playing in, what, the Swedish Swedish League, AIK. He's got 17 points in 40 games. Some nice uh, forward depth there for the Moose. And you know, as they call up uh, Mikey Isamon, and you know, if more players keep getting hurt, I mean, we don't know how long Chaifley and Wheeler are going to be out. I mean, they're going to need... Need some bodies. So it seems like a lot. We saw these college dudes uh, who play were playing the Frozen for the weekend sign their entry levels, and the Jets doing some signings of their own here on a Monday morning. Yeah, no doubt about it. Now, as far as that, and again, we'll talk more Jets. We'll get Dave Poulin's thoughts on it, as well as touch base with Jeff Hamilton coming up a little later on in the program. Uh, but as far as the other teams in Winnipeg, the Moose clinched a playoff spot on the weekend ream, and the Ice uh, rolled through another weekend sweep. Two games left in the season for the Ice, who have clinched first place. Uh, and as you mentioned, back to the weather for a minute, um, you know, we will see what happens with these games on Thursday and Friday that were scheduled for the Ice Cave. Um, final games of the regular season. It's not like there's, there's a lot of time to make these games up before the playoffs happen. Um, I guess... You know, you'll see what it matters. It won't really matter to the Winnipeg Ice. They know what they're happening, uh, they're doing right now. But uh, you know, as disappointing as it's been for this uh, Jet squad that for finishing out the stretch, we're gonna have playoff hockey both downtown and on the south side coming up very quickly. Yeah, I'm, you know, I see the uh, Moose making the playoffs and how strong their team has been this year, despite having you know constant lineup changes. And I, I'm you know, bring back memories of you know the Moose 1.0 making the playoffs and going to games at, at Canada Life and you know, the Calder Cup playoffs. I remember, you know, what the, what the last year of Moose 1.0 and other times. So uh, I think that's exciting. The ice, I was looking forward to seeing Connor Bedard and Regina this week, but with this storm coming, uh, my plans might be up in the air. So, uh, but there are going to be playoffs. Big gate. There are playoff hockey coming in Winnipeg with uh, Moose and the ice. Even if we don't have the Jets, I think we can still cheer on these guys, and it'll be fun, uh, fun to follow. So uh, that's something we'll be watching as uh, you know the month, months continue. You got it. All right, so more Jets talk coming up. Or uh, gonna hit. We'll probably ask Dave Poulin about the Masters too. I know he would have been tuned into that. We'll get to that in a couple minutes, and then Jeff Hamilton in Montreal a little bit later on. Full Masters breakdown with the Z-Man, Mark Sacchino, coming up a little bit later on in the program. Uh, A big thanks to our newest sponsor, Winnipeg Sports Talk. 
Wallace and Wallace, Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist. Hey, you've seen their fences and trucks all over the city. Wallace and Wallace has been serving residential and com commercial customers here in the city since 1946. If your property needs the security and protection of a new fence or winter's done a number on your old one, give them a shout. They do it all vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood. Wallace and Wallace has the right fence for you. And if it's time to replace your garage door, they've also got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. Give them a call at 452-2700. Ben, Charles, Mark, and the rest of the experts at Wallace will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. And you can also find them online at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off Keniston. Hey, our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market are stocked with Winnipeg's best selection of local organic and natural grocery supplements and beauty products, all at great prices with an amazing, knowledgeable staff trained on these products to help you get what you need. And hey, if you're into organic produce or local grass-fed meats or a great grab-and-go deli with delicious Vita Market salad, soups, and sandwiches, Vita is the place for you. Seven Winnipeg locations including their newest store in Linden Ridge. And check out their newly fully shoppable website at myvita.ca to schedule a delivery with Instacart. And hey, our friends at F Apparel are Winnipeg's leaders in custom suits for men, really a full line of custom clothing for any occasion, including suits, chinos, golf pants, untucked dress shirts, shoes, ties, accessories, and more. Every guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. And F's custom-made suits start at just $400. They are the top choice in Winnipeg for wedding and grad suits. If you've got a big event coming up and need to look great, F is here for you. Wedding parties get 15% off when the group buys their suits from F Apparel and a great promotion on right now for high school seniors getting ready for their high school graduation. 190 Smith Street downtown. Go see our friends at F Apparel and you can see them online at fephapparel.com. All right. We will have Jeff Hamilton in Montreal coming up in about 20 or 25 minutes. But right now, let's welcome in Dave Poulin, TSN Hockey, for the latest on the Jets. Dave, welcome back to the program. I do want to get to the Jets and the hockey story, but I know you probably spent a little time earlier <laughs> watching TSN. What did you think of the Masters tournament? Absolutely loved it. Uh, you know, I've had an opportunity to go down to it. I haven't ever played it, but uh, to watch. And it is... Not many things exceed your expectations. Like, you know, you go in and you're like, and you're like, this is so unbelievable. And yesterday to watch the competition, and the problem is no lead is ever safe. He's leading by five, he's leading by six, and it's not safe. And down the stretch was so good, so entertaining. And, and then the four putt on 18, all I could think about, Andrew, was we get really upset when a guy loses somebody on a back check, doesn't cover the right guy in front of the net, because for that microsecond in the 35-second shift, he's not focused. We had the best golfer in the world on a roll, not focused on the 18th green, and he couldn't make a two-foot putt. He couldn't do it. He absolutely couldn't. So you just think of how much focus is required to do what he did you know, through four rounds of golf and, and just magnificent effort. He's been coming for a long time and to see him put it all together was, uh, was really fun. You might've liked a little more push, but at the masters, there's always a push because someone can come from five shots down. 
Well, I can tell you, as someone that uh, had a ticket on Mr. Scheffler at 18 to 1, I was more than happy with a little nice. bit of room because it's never it's never nice. done until it's done. And, of course, we got to see Tiger. And you want to talk about Heart of a Champion. I mean, you knew that this was going to be a real grind for him through the weekend, Dave. And, listen, it wasn't vintage Tiger. He putted horribly. But just to see him go up the 18th hole at Augusta back as a member of the Masters Tournament actively playing uh, was uh, was a real highlight for a lot of people. Just phenomenal. You have to remember, we're seeing arguably the best in the history of the game. And we were right in our wheelhouse through his prime. And to get to do that and to really, you know, I was fortunate when I played and I, I think I saw a couple of the best up close and personal, far too up close and far too personal in Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux. But when you're watching things happen in sport and you're watching the best and and Tiger in his prime, we lived in the Chicagoland area uh, when I was at Notre Dame and we used to go to the Western Open every year. And I knew a couple of guys on tour. So I said, OK, so fill me in on Tiger's routine. And they said, well, at that point, they always gave him the first stall at the, at the range because if he walked along, he disrupted so much. So they literally give him the first stall. So we got his program down and my my oldest two um, are identical twins and they're high school golfers. So we got there early. We sat right behind the first stall, no one around. And my girl's like, dad, what are we doing? And I said, just be patient, just wait. And you could feel the wave coming across the parking lot. So this is like 98, 99. And you could feel him coming before he arrived. And then he wheeled in right in front of us, Stevie Williams. And so maybe 15 feet away, we were in the front row of the bleachers right behind him. Watch the whole warm-up routine. Watch the aura. And my girls still talk about it to this day every time they see him on TV and, and what that meant to be that close to him and to watch. But he was moving about three holes of the golf course. So if you wanted to see him, you had to be three holes ahead. And the entire holes were moving. Just to see him come back, to see what he battled through physically, just phenomenal to watch. Dave Poulin's with us. Uh, Dave, let's move it over to hockey. Of course, you saw the Jets and, and Sens, and we know. It's interesting you mentioned focus and how important it is to have focus at the best of times. What do you make of the challenges right now for the Winnipeg Jets and for Dave Lowry to keep this team focused? Uh, we saw some of those challenges last night in the first period. You can't think of it on the whole. You have to think about just the piece of it. You just have to think about the next shift, the next period. Um, you really do. And, and, you know, to take it back to golf, it literally is the next shot. And right now for the Jets, it's the next shot. It's not the period even. It's not a game. Um, all you can do is worry about what you're doing. It's a great exercise and it's a great lesson for guys that haven't been through it. because. This is a team that for the last four years has competed for the playoffs, you know, had a great conference finals run and was built for now. And it hasn't happened. And that's really disappointing, you know, as a fan, I'm sure, because this team felt like it was much closer than it seems right now. And so you need a little magic and you need that to happen. And you just have to micro focus. And they were able to get it done last night. And you could just see in that second period, what a different game it was than the first period. And they ratcheted it up, and it happened before they scored the second and third goals. I mean, it was coming. You were watching. You are like, oh, the passes were connecting. Everyone was where they were supposed to be. It was just flowing so well. 
and seemed inevitable that they win the game. Then they needed a couple saves from Hellebuck down the stretch, which they got, and were able to find a way. And now they move on. And and what game is bigger than tonight? Now here we go again. You know, it is. Uh, it's funny, and and there was a real sense of finality last week, Dave. I mean. And I think everyone knew that the playoffs were a complete, I mean, you know, it was a 1% chance, but the way things went against the Detroit Red Wings last Wednesday had, it was the real air of finality. And, you know, I think we're going to find out some interesting things about this team and a number of players going down this stretch, because I mean, listen, no one in the organization expected it to be next year time and basically playing the entire month of April, essentially out of it. Uh, but with some big, big questions on where this, organization and this team goes from here, Dave, and what changes will happen. Um, you know, I still think that there is a, a lot to prove for some of the, uh, excuse me about that. There's a lot to prove for a number of the players that are in this roster right now, uh, then they'll be playing for the final, uh, what, nine games of the season. I was going to ask if we're on a party line here. I thought it was, <laughs> <laughs> I thought someone else was ringing us in green acres up at There's the top a hot of take the telephone alarm. pole. <laughs> you know, it is a, uh, if you, I mean, we used to say it all the time. If you want to stay together, you have to win. I mean, that's the bottom line. And, you know, this group has had a run. We, we focus back, you know, on, on a quite a different team, certainly a totally different decor and a number of different forwards that, that went to the conference finals. But the core of the team is still there, um, you know, and, and the core starts with number 55 and number 26, and it grows from there. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois is certainly a new piece that I think is a core piece. Um, and, and Josh Morrissey is definite core piece on defense. The, the pieces should add up to more, Andrew. And, and, you know, when I was looking at the D last night for my TV hit, you looked at adding Dylan and you looked at adding Schmidt and you said, okay, the D's got to be better. And yet it hasn't. 18th in goals against isn't good enough. It was just outside of 10th, a fraction, you know, um, last year. And in the years before that, you, you know, you were down in the top five, save percentage, fourth, fourth, fifth. And, and it's not right now. And so why is that? I don't just think it's the goaltender. I think it's the defensive play of the hockey team, not pointing just at the defenseman. And, you know, and I'll give you a good example on that first goal last night. You know, you're looking at, okay, who made a mistake on the goal? Well, it was pretty simple for me. Pierre-Luc Dubois had Josh Norris. That's his responsibility. And he thought the puck was popping the other way. And it was one little turn to the left. And then he realized and he tried to come back and it was too late. So, you know, the D looked bad on the play. Pionk looks bad on the play. It was forward coverage on the defensive side of it. And so everyone's responsible. But I, I think you're going to see if they're not successful making the playoffs and they know what a job they have to do that, they need a lot of magic to happen. You do have to look at changing the core of the team. You just do because this group hasn't worked together. Dave, a coaching has been a big conversation as well. I mean, throughout the year, obviously with Paul Maurice leaving, but you know, I wanted to ask you, I mean, comparing the Oilers and Jets, I mean, both had great starts to the season. Both had terrible months of November where they really bottomed out and both teams had coaching changes. Why do you think Woodcroft and the Oilers have had the turnaround that they've had and the Jets have basically been the same team that they were when Paul Maurice left? Not sure I'd put it on the players, on the coaches, rather. I think I'd put it on the players. I mean, you've seen the elevation of individuals in Edmonton that you haven't seen the same consistent elevation in Winnipeg. And I, I think the problem is 
that for fans, you do lump together the last couple of years and you've seen such good play at times. You talk about the start of the year. Well, you just want consistency. You want that to be all the time. And why wouldn't you? And, you know, if there's, if there's probably a trait that I was proudest of, it was my consistency. I talk about bandwidth. I didn't have this, you know, this phenomenal high, but my low was a little bit higher and I played within that. And you can't have really crazy swings. How do you know how to monitor a team when you've got these crazy swings? And sometimes the group together looks so good and sometimes it looks disjointed. So do you point to coaching for that? It's part of it, but I still look at the players inevitably. And, you know, and Dave Lowry didn't have a chance to interview for this job. And, and you would assume when the season ends, that's almost how you would handle it. Um, you know, if I were in a management position, say, okay, you know, we're going to interview people for this job. You certainly have been here. You've been here as an assistant. You've been here as an interim head coach. But what is your vision for this hockey team? And because chances are, with everything happening as quick as it did, he didn't really get an opportunity to, to have a different vision or have a stamp on it. Even, all of a sudden, he was just head coach. Dave, you know, we talked a little bit about what the players are going through for these final games and, you know, what we're looking at them. I, listen, I think there's, and Darren Drager reported it, I mean, there's going to be a thorough top-to-bottom audit of the Winnipeg Jets, and I think everyone is feeling pressure right now. Uh, but, you know, leaning on your experience as an executive, if you're in Kevin Chevaldeoff's office right now, how are you handling the final games of this season? And, and what is it that the general manager is looking at in the present? Or is most of it essentially more about the minute they get to game 82 and on to the offseason? No, it's happening right now for sure. You want to see the, the way players react. And, you know, albeit 10 games left, you want to see how things happen through these 10 games. And, you know, and, and let's start with the D because you have a lot of options on the defensive side and because you have players on term and you have multiple ages, you go from age in, in, if I pick nine defensemen, you go from 21 to 31 years old. And, and that would be from Hanola to Brendan Dillon, I think is the, is the oldest at 31. You've got guys on good terms. You've got guys for multiple years. You've got assets that you could move that would be attractive to move. You've got to figure out what the best pieces are for you to put together out of that group. Does it include Dylan Sandberg, who I, I think has made a good first impression? And I like a lot of things about what I see there, but he came in very highly touted for me because of my background in the college game and guys that knew him so well there. Uh, Hanola, same thing, comes in with a big pedigree. Where does he fit? Um, you know, Declan Chisholm, does he a part of the mix? Logan Stanley, you've seen at the NHL level, you know, and I mentioned, it's funny how you mentioned something and everyone interprets it how they want to interpret it. Because when I mentioned last night that I like size on defense, you know, um, a group obviously turned right to analytics and said, but the big guys haven't performed analytically. And I, while I like size on defense, I, it has to be a part of the makeup. And I don't know who it involves. You know, Dylan's a bigger guy. Sandberg's a bigger guy. Stanley's a bigger guy. Does it involve one, two, or all three of those? And it's not a perfect formula. And it's about putting the right pieces together. So I think that's what management has to do through these last 10 games, see what pieces might fit together. Like we saw at one point, we saw Sandberg playing with Dylan on the wrong side last night because you have a choice of right and left shots as well with that group. And then up front, the same thing. Um, you know, if you're assuming you, your first assumption is everyone's coming back, 
what pieces fit together the best. The, you know, the reacquisition of Mason Appleton, I think, is to have a partner for Adam Lowry. Um, it looks like Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois are a fit. Um, the staple is Mark Shifley and, and Blake Wheeler. I mean, that's your staple in terms of a pair. Where does Ehlers fit in with that group? And, you know, and are there other options available? You know, you've got, a, you've got some young guys who are coming, who you think are really coming, and Cole Perfetti would be a great example. Where does he fit into this equation? And where do some of the other pieces that you like as role players fit in? So there's a lot of work that can be done in these last 10 games, Andrew, to see how things play out and what your options are. Well, and, and Dave, just you mentioned Dylan Sandberg. I mean, I think, um, you know, as disappointing as the situation is for Jets fans that tune into the games on Friday and then again last night, um, you had to be excited about the way that he uh, quitted himself, man. I mean, certainly did not look out of place at all and, um, you know, did a lot of the good things that we saw earlier in the season, but seems to maybe be playing even with more of a confidence now that he's had a few games in the NHL under his belt. And that's what it is. The second and third times you get called up. Now, I was very fortunate. I got called up and stayed up. Um, but I joined the team late in the year, and I only played two regular season games, and then I played in the playoffs. And it helped me immensely over that following summer. It helped me train. It helped me get up and go to the gym. And every single bit of it, because I'd been there. I could live, albeit a short body of work for him, as it was for me. You've still been there. And he does look more comfortable. <clears throat> and I would say it's been the most unusual time over the last couple of years in development for players coming up on the precipice of the NHL because they haven't had normal cycles. They simply haven't for training, for playing number of games. Nothing has been normal in the last two years in terms of development for a young hockey player. So I think we have to be a little more patient and allow them a little more, you know, leash or leeway, if you will. But everything I see about him, um, he, he's got a little bit of a mean streak in him. He's physical. He can move the puck. Um, he's a good-sized guy, so there's a lot of components there to like. Dave Poulin's with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Uh, Dave, before we go, and I know this will make some people in the chat go nuts. They don't like me talk. Excuse me. They don't like leak talk, but I have to ask you about Austin Matthews. Speaking of the uh, the bells going off, 50 goals in 50 games. I've what 58 on the season. I mean, this young man continues to get better. And um, if anyone was thinking that it was maybe a media concoction that he's a Hart Trophy candidate, he continues to stamp his case for that award night in and night out. What a what a season. He certainly does. He's the real deal. You know, I watch him on a regular basis and I watched him. The first time I heard about him, he was 16, maybe 15 years old. And it was Donnie Granado who maybe knew he was coming to the national team program at this time. And he said, we got a special kid coming. And, uh, and he said, this kid scores goals. And I remember saying to Donnie and I, and I looked at him, I said, so like scores goals, like a couple guys they've been through the program, pretty good goal scorers, Patrick Kane, Phil Kessel, like that. And Donnie just smiled, <laughs> you know, and, and he said, I'm telling you, this kid has a chance to be really good. So I've known about him a long time. I've been watching him a long time. Um, you're seeing him grow. The expectations were so high from coming in. Unusual route, goes to Switzerland for a year, comes back. But he keeps getting better. And he's playing with an elite passer in Mitch Marner. He has another element on his wing in Michael Bunting, who kind of deflects sometimes attention, if that's possible, by being such a pain in the neck himself and, you know, causing the havoc out there himself in a positive way. But 
Matthew's game has grown so much from the the shot is is elite. There's no question about it. But now he's shooting from different places. He's getting to different areas. He's got the two-man game with Mitch Marner. And, and when I talked about pairs with the Jets, you know, a, a Wheeler and Shifley, when they're at their best, by the way, they're only looking for each other. Like they might pay lip service to a left wing, but they're just looking for each other. And that's what Marner and Matthews are. And, and Matthews is looking for him. He's looking to get it back. Um, Marner's is looking for Matthews to be the scorer all the time. And so it's an unusual, I mean, it, it, you know, trend, I think, to have so much attention focused on him and to answer. I expect him to score every night. Like, I look at him, and I think the players that I played with, the only two guys I played with that expected to score at that point and did it were Timmy Kerr, who went like 54, 58, 58, 54 in the quietest 450 straight goal seasons, you know, probably in the game. And then Cam Neely. And Cam Neely uh, was 15-49 the year after I left the Bruins, but I'd watched him closely as an elite goal scorer. And the expectation is every time they go on the ice, they think they're going to score. Every single shift. Every single game. And you're seeing a little bit of that in Kyle Connor now. And I think, you know, when he goes out there, he's expecting that. Well, he expects it. His teammates expect it. The other team expects it. And that's what's happening right now with Matthews. Yeah, well, lots of pressure come playoff time because none of it's going to matter if they oh, go out quickly, and we yes. all know about that, Dave. Hey, oh, what yes. uh, what are you uh, what are you working on this week? Uh, I've got a busy week. I've got uh, Leafs Tuesday. I've got Gino's show on Wednesday. I've got Leafs again on Thursday, and then I'll be in Montreal Friday night for the Islanders. So full full schedule here. Dave, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, looking forward to uh, our next chat. Have a great week, and uh, thanks for doing this. Always a pleasure. Have a great day. All right, great stuff with Dave Poulin. And uh, we will have Pooley joining us on a semi-regular basis, as I mentioned. Really looking forward to that. Uh, always a pleasure having Dave on the program. We're going to get to Montreal. Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press will join us in a few minutes. Uh, before we do that, a big thanks to Culligan Water for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Culligan Water have been the leaders in the water game here in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba, serving Manitobans for over 65 years in business. Uh, they really do do it all. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Whatever your water needs are, give Culligan a call, 1200 Sergeant Avenue, or on the line at on the horn, 694-5180. And of course, you can uh, find them online at drinkculligan.com. Well, this cruel joke of the weather system coming in uh, we thought we were done with winter. We've been, uh, you know, keeping these cars going all winter long, courtesy of our friends over at Manitoba Battery. Uh, but it looks like the snowblowers might be uh, needing to get juiced up for the next few days, unbelievably. Um, allegedly, spring is here. And when you get into spring cleaning, of course, Manitoba Battery's got all the batteries to uh, help you on those big projects or jobs. And as we get into summer, allegedly, at some point, whether it's boats, golf carts, hot rods, Manitoba Battery's got everything you need to keep you uh, powered up throughout the summer. They'll deliver anywhere in the city with same-day delivery when you order by 1.30 in the afternoon at a much lower price than what you'd have to pay at one of the big box stores. Manitoba Battery, home of the best prices in Winnipeg. They're at 1026 Logan Avenue. 
And you can find them online at manitobabattery.com. And yes, it might be another week or two before soccer, baseball, softball really gets going. But you can get ready for the season over at Royal Sports. Not only the best selection of merchandise for your favorite teams, but they've also got it all when it comes to uh, getting ready to play the sports that you love. Of course, a new fitness, uh, expanded fitness department as well. Incredible selection of shoes and bikes as well. And by the way, if you got a mechanic, someone that likes working on bikes in the family or in your circle, tell them to head over to Royal. They'd love to get some uh, couple more bike experts on board for the upcoming season. Royal Sports 750 Pemina Highway and hit them up on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina. Hey, very quickly, a quick Princess Auto curling report before we uh, get to Jeff Hamilton. Brad Gushu, great week, just ended up falling short, losing to Nick Dean for the World Championship in Vegas. Some iffy ice conditions. Uh, challenged both teams yesterday, but it was Nicodine who's been one of the top teams in the world for the last number of years getting that gold medal. Of course, the Princess Auto Players Cup still to come in a couple weeks to finish off this season. The final time we'll see so many of these top teams before they uh, change and go into their new incarnations next year. Of course, Princess Auto is the spot where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Uh, visit them at one of two local locations or shop online 24-7, 365 over at princessauto.com. All right, let's get to it. It is hammer time, I believe, from beautiful Montreal, Quebec, as the Jets continue this quick road trip before coming back home, allegedly for the Seattle Kraken. We'll see whether the weather cooperates with that. Hammer, what's up? How are you? And uh, welcome back to the program. Hey, Huss, great to be on. I should let you know, as someone who's done investigations and has handled and has dealt with the word allegedly, it actually has, it doesn't save you from anything. So if you start throwing out allegedly and start and burning some people, those lawyers will not help you. So it's, uh, it's just one of those phony words. But other, other than that, doing awesome here, man, sitting in beautiful old Montreal, I decided to, uh, to nestle up here for the night and uh, looking forward to uh, winding down the season with game. <laughs> Have 74. You, have you extended the trip at all a couple days, which could be more days considering what is apparently coming in right on the heels of your scheduled arrival in Winnipeg? You know me too well, Huss. I've, uh, I've, I've, I've gotten a new driver's license. I've, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I have established myself in, in Montreal. I'm, I'm weighing my options of going back to Ottawa on the train. I love taking the via rail train between those two cities. So I, I, I have decided to extend my trip, which might be further extended depending on uh, what happens here over the next few days. No doubt about it. Well, let's get to uh, last night's game first and maybe the weekend overall. Um, I'm really impressed with what Dylan Sandberg had to say. That's the Sandberg alarm. Everyone's very excited about him. Yeah, no, I live I lived in a condo that used to do those every once in a while, too, so I hear you. Um, but the game last night, um, listen, another terrible start for the team. Connor Hellebuck kept the team in, and uh, it sounded like an interesting first intermission for both the players and the coaching staff, or one Dave Lowry, which seemingly got things started, uh, turned around in the second period. Um, certainly, they're going to be happy that they ended that four-game losing streak. Uh, but it's a weird time for the Winnipeg Jets. What did you make of the game, and what did you make of what we heard from Stastny and Dave Lowry afterwards? Yeah, absolute trash first period. Obviously, I mean, it was you know, it's one of those things where you hear in the morning there's belief and there's you know there's hope and all these things, and then you come out, you know, in the first period and pretend like there's no 
belief or hope or heart for that matter. And I mean, you know, it'd be one thing if Ottawa hadn't played the night before, hadn't flown, you know, had arrived back home in the, in the, in the wee hours after playing New York and, uh, you know, cause they are a feisty team. They are a team that, you know, they're, they're not exactly stacked with, uh, superstars, but they, you know, they do, they do try. Uh, so, you know, but they did play the night before. And so to see Winnipeg clinging to their playoff hopes, uh, and coming out with an opening 20 minutes like that, I mean, they were fortunate, uh, to be tied one, one and not in a much deeper hole. And then, uh, Certainly, you know, the, yeah, you know I, I understand that something clicked, obviously, in the second period. They started to play better against a team that they should be playing better against. But I wasn't all that convinced, you know, by the end of the game either. I mean, this wasn't a game that they could have easily lost. I mean, that last two minutes and 40 seconds with the goalie pulled, I mean, Connor Hallebuck again. I mean, I know that he's, you know, I know that he's gotten some criticism this year and hasn't, hasn't certainly hasn't played, you know, maybe to the expectations of a lot of fans uh, from what, you know, compared to what we've seen in previous years. But that was just another game where the goalie bailed them out while, you know, the defensive zone game was just trash, uh, you know. And, and so, you know, I, yeah, you got the win. You know, I think it's exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, I think it's hilarious, not exciting that, you know, when you look at Friday's, you know, loss, everyone treated it like it was a victory because they came close to the avalanche. You know what I mean? I mean, that that's where the bar is right now for the Winnipeg Jets. And I think it was more, Jeff, to be honest, that it was more a professional effort. And, you mean and more of an energy, yeah, because it did have that kind of feel, right, where that excitement after goals, you could see that emotion, right? And I think, you know, I, I agree with you, but, at, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Colorado is – is not going balls to the wall in the final, you know, 10, 12 games. They are, you know, resting to a certain degree, heading into the playoffs. They, they, you know, they have bigger fish to fry. They played their backup goalie. You know, there's not a lot of respect from the avalanche with the Jets. And so the Jets had this, you know, emotional outbreak and lost. So, you know, anyway, moving on back to the, to to yesterday's game. Well, here, just actually let, let's back up for a minute because I mean, listen, if you saw the show on Thursday, I mean, I was apoplectic about what happened on Wednesday night against the Red Wings. And it wasn't that, Oh my God, the jets were going to make the playoffs and now they're out, but it was an emphatic statement by the team, regardless of anything that every, anyone says that they realize that this season is over for the Winnipeg Jets right now. And then you you move into that game where, to be honest, like I said on Friday, I'm hoping the team came, comes out, plays hard for the home fans that are actually there, and, and, and shows, and you mentioned the word heart, I mean, shows some heart and shows that level of pride um, that, you know, we haven't seen at, at, at all times. And I, I'll single out Josh Morrissey. Because he's a guy that has a very difficult time right now. I mean, he's been thrown out over and over again, you know, having to face some of the toughest questions. Um, And we saw the way that he, you know, was laying it on the line with a pulled goalie, making a save, and then being able to turn things around and then spoke to it afterwards. I mean, I think that there's every single person in that room absolutely knows that this team is not going to the playoffs right now. And I mean, the challenges right now, Jeff, is to come out and, um, and to show that they care, to be honest. I mean, like, I, I, from your perspective, I mean, we know that this team's not in the playoffs. What are you looking for each and every night when this team goes out right now? To be frank, give a shit. You know what I mean? Like, that, exactly. that's, that's how low the bar has gotten. I mean, you know, if, if you, you know, words are just words if they don't get put into practice. And I mean, I can't imagine 
being a Winnipeg Jets fan because especially if you put money towards this team because all you want, all this city wants, all this province wants from its sports teams is a solid effort. I mean, I honestly believe that. I mean, obviously you want victories, you want wins, but I do think that this fan base, win or lose, appreciates a hard effort. And I don't know if we've seen that all season. Now, of course, we've seen it at stages in the year, but this hasn't been a team that has been in a position and fallen. This is a team that has, hasn't lived up to expectations since ultimately the first week of the season. They've never caught on beginning with a, you know, a tough road trip out of the gate. And then, you know, if it isn't a, you know, too much of a schedule or COVID or, you know, all these excuses we've heard throughout the year, uh, you know, what am I looking for in the last 10 games? What I've been trying to look for in the, in the previous 72 and that's an effort that that matches the you know the team on paper and we just don't see it it just doesn't happen and you know and 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 what we what we don't really see is is heart because we don't see you know this team outworking other teams we in in the majority of the victories we have seen skill has taken over it's been opportunistic they've jumped on you know opportunities with their high-end talent and won games out of that i mean there's not a lot of games that you can point to and say wow the winnipeg jets really outworked uh, you know, the other team or put it together a 60 minute effort, which is, you know, ultimately impossible, but even something close to it. So, you know, I, I, what I'm looking for essentially is, is guys to show some pride, show some, some kind of reason that if this organization <laughs> decides to look at this season as an anomaly, it looked at, you know, it looked at all the, you know, issues they dealt with, you know, again, whether it be scheduling with you know all these games which they made their own bed right I mean they they postponed a lot of these games because they couldn't sell tickets and I understand that from a bottom line for sure um or whether it's been you know the COVID issues or injuries you know things that every single team in this league have dealt with some kind of you know glimpse into what the future could be next year if this organization decides to stick status quo because as it stands now I mean there's absolutely nothing to point to to suggest that this team is a winning team. And the worst part about it is that they bought into their own hype. This is a team that has been riding the coattails of a 2018 playoff run. Like, remember when Connor Hellebuck called this team a dynasty in the making? These guys have done, as a team, absolutely nothing. Nothing. Last, you know, they got booted two years ago from the you know preliminary round that doesn't count for the playoffs it does in the sense that they make those you know they added the those points to you know the streaks and 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 the records and everything so i guess it counts as playoffs but that didn't get to the dance that was extended so teams like them outside the playoff line could get in then last year i mean do we need to recall how they backed into the playoffs did they not have like a nine game losing streak and then what all of a sudden a good team because they they beat the Oilers four games in a row and then got swept by a Montreal team that is now in the bottom of the standings that struck lightning. I mean, this team has done nothing. They've, they've accomplished nothing. And yet the, the entitlement and the egos on this team are through the roof. And, 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 and until that changes, and I mean, you talk about Josh Morrissey, I couldn't even imagine being Josh Morrissey right now. Cause what a terrific season he's having on a leadership group who, yeah, Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley have points of course they have points. If they weren't point per game players, you know, with the ice time and opportunity that they get, we all know there's no power play two on this team. Not unless power play one is tired or frustrated and wants to give them an extra 25 seconds at the end of their, at the end of their entitled shift. 
But until that changes, I mean, this team is going to be, you know, a perennial bubble team. Contender is not in the vocabulary of this team so long as they play or so long as they're made up with who they have right now. And that's and, and there is no anomaly from this season. That 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 is what we see. That is what we'll get from a club that struggled for years and continues to struggle this season. Yeah, I'll say this about Connor Hellebuck. Um, he says that stuff because he believes it. He's the one guy that I think, you know, we never have to bring out the BS meter when he's speaking because that's just the way that he is. Now, um, it might it might have been a little aggressive, might have been overly optimistic, but um, listen, that's him. But you are right. I mean, they've been kind of running this back with this group for, you know, the last four years, um, and the results haven't been there. And we're now at a point, Jeff, where... I mean, I really do believe, and I know Drager reported this last last week, and I think it goes without saying that there is going to be, and there has to be, a full audit top to bottom of what this team is. And listen, I know there are the people that will just see what's happened before and say, well, this is the way they operate, and they're just going to keep doing it. I personally don't believe that. I think this is going to be the most significant offseason, maybe since this team got here in, you know, 11 years ago. And... I was even one that said, listen, I really do think Kevin Sheveldayoff is going to be the guy that's going forward. But even now, I'm thinking that that maybe is less likely than at least I would have thought a couple weeks ago. But um, whether it comes to management, certainly coaching staff, and absolutely the core of this team, there has to be significant changes. And I really do think that we are going to see that. Yeah, you know what? We've been talking about this for weeks. Yeah, it's possible. I, I think it's going to take everything, uh, you know, low low attendance, even lower than it is already right now, uh, possibly more bad hockey for the rest of this season. Who knows what, what players say in the, in the garbage bag day. I, I don't see a lot of players, you know, looking inward. Uh, you know, I'm not necessarily suggesting they're going to be a bunch of excuses, but I mean, this is the culture that, Kevin Sheveldayoff built here, built from the beginning. Started with Andrew Ladd, was, it was inherited by Blake Wheeler. You know, you want to talk about accountability? I mean, Dave Lowry yelling, and we need, I didn't even answer that question off the top. Like, Dave Lowry yelling at this team? Like, did he just hit his breaking point? I mean, he can't think. That's that what it sounded out. like. He, he, can't, he can't think that he has this team next season. It was, like, a, that I mean, was an interesting post game. That was an interesting post game presser from Lowry. I mean, there's a lot of times, I mean, listen, he's not Maurice. He's not going to come and, you know, spin a bunch of wild tales. But I mean, it was quite clear, especially with his first answer. I mean, he did not hold anything back on uh, just how ugly that first period was. And it sounded like it came out. And I'd be fascinated to find out, like, if that's just a completely like rare, rare occurrence or that's been happening all season long or. Whether to your point, it was finally just uh, El Snapsky knowing that, you know, you got nine games left in this season and then, you know, everything's on the table. Well, let's look over to Paul Stastny's comments. I mean, I'd like to say they were subtle, but they weren't. I nope. mean, you know, I mean, he, he's been saying it forever and I think he's talking to 55. Now, I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but he plays on a line with Mark Scheifele. And he said a couple weeks ago that he wanted to play center, you know, because he's probably feels like he's playing center as the winger. And so, you know, and, and, and you know what? Look, we talked lots about Mark Shifley. I mean, I, I for some reason, I'm attached to your, to your brand about trading him. <laughs> you and me have gone into the, into, you know, the history here as, as people talk, as you and I chat about, I'm not even advocating to trade Mark Shifley, but something needs to be figured out with him. 
I mean, something, you know, he's, it's, it doesn't even feel like a, you know, a hidden secret that he's playing against Dave Lowry's systems. You know, there's no interest in it. I mean, the younger guys, who is he talking about? Like guys getting offended from the coaches? Who's he talking about? Logan Stanley? Like, like, is he talk? Is he talking about Nick Ehlers? Like, is he talking about Kyle Connor? Like, he's talking about younger than him, which is everybody. But at the same time, I mean, he's talking to guys who have impact roles on this team, the guys who have fallen short beyond the you know the, the score sheet. And so, I think there's a real reckoning here. And and you know, I mean, you look at you know, you want to look at Paul Maurice's exit. I think he just had enough with this club. I think he, you know, he saw a team that was impossible to reel in, you know, saw probably the writing on the wall and where this team was headed. And I mean, I think that Paul needs to have some ownership of that because I don't think that, I think he was the one that let things go wild. I think he got to a point where the accountability was now impossible because those guys got whatever they wanted, right? Because guys were never held accountable because guys, whether, you know, they made mistakes were never, you know, and and mistakes happen, but you know, giving opportunities. This is a, you know, this is a hierarchy based team. There are, you know, I mean, and I, and I mentioned this on Kenny and Rennie show last night that, you know, I, I keep going back to that Zajana Char quote when, oh, when, when, that he is exa- when yeah. he was with Boston about how, you know, people asking them why the Bruins are the way they are. Why, why every year, no matter who they bring in, you know, when you talk about contracts and guys taking less money, building a culture, like why would anyone in Winnipeg, like Pierre-Luc Dubois, for instance, want to go back, want to take a haircut or a team-friendly, you know, deal. You don't. You take team-friendly deals from winners. The Jets aren't winners. Going back to Zdeno Char comment, when those when 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 he was asked that question, he said that these rookies would cut. Like these guys don't come in as first-year, second-year players and are known as first and second-year players. They're known as a piece of the puzzle, a key piece of the puzzle. Understanding that if if this team is going to make it out of an 82 season and make it through four rounds in the playoffs. They're all going to have to be pulling together. I don't think that exists with this organization. And I think if you ask younger guys, and you know, you know, people, I remember this last time. Well, did you listen to Aaron, Eric Comrie talk about Blake Wheeler and what he does behind the scenes? Yeah, the backup goalie of the Winnipeg Jets is the guy that you want to listen to when it comes to giving the, you know, the, the truth of a team's culture. I'd be asking guys lower. You know, guys who, you know, guys who have taken haircuts, guys who have, you know, are fighting for a position that watch night in and night out this team not succeed or younger guys and not get opportunities. I mean, you know, when's it going to change? It's not. And and that's the problem. And this team, you know, and like saying, you know, you, you, you know, you mentioned Josh Morrissey and I, you know, I talked about how great of a season he's having. I mean, after that game against Detroit, that guy looked like a lost soul. And the reality is, is you have that guy giving everything that he can give you know, playing out of his boots after a really, really emotionally tough year. And you have a captain who has absolutely no interest in even saying the words that they're not playing well. Like he can't even acknowledge that much. Like it's just, it's, it's just insane to suggest it. You know, a guy in the past has told reporters to fuck off. A guy has told, you know, he, he, he's, he, he, he's told reporters that, uh, you know, the line, he wishes for a more positive line of questioning. When have you ever heard that from any captain on any other team? And then you have Mark Scheifele, who's also wearing an A, who doesn't want to play defense and who so clearly does not believe in the team's vision or structure that he's now reverted to playing his own style, doing whatever he wants. And, and I mean, what the future holds here, I mean, holy, you know, if, if I'm Kevin Sheveldale, I'm almost hoping I get fired because the, the mess in front of him right now is almost unfixable. 
And at this point, it's gotten so bad. And it's like every year over year, it's like, oh, clean slate. But no, this was predictable. And I'm not going to say that, you know, even picking up guys like Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt, I'm curious what those guys think. You know, those guys played on solid teams. You know, teams that actually consistently year in and year out. I'd be fascinated if, you know, if we can inject them with true serum and, and hear what they have to say. Because the reality is, is that this team is just feeling like they're contenders and playing like they're a non-playoff team. Yeah, I don't think they're feeling like they're contenders right now, Jeff, as they play out the stretch. Um, well, listen, you, you brought it up. I may as well get right to this. Um, I was watching the game with some friends last night after the Masters, and listen, we know that, I mean, wins or losses right now. I mean, as I said, I was looking for a professional effort from a club that is shows that they're, you know, still going out there, working hard, all the things that we've discussed. Um, Shifley's been a trigger point for a lot of conversations here. We saw him get injured last night and go to the bench. And that was one of those ones we know we won't play tonight. And, you know, I turned and it didn't take long for someone to mention. I wonder if that's the last time we see Mark Shifley as a Winnipeg Jet. And uh, I mean, we'll see what happens with him playing for the rest of the season. But I think that more than ever before on any of these conversations that we've had, there's a more realistic possibility that that is something that this organization seriously looking at. And I'll mention this to something to you right now that I talked with Remus about earlier. I'm not sure if you were online at all this week. Well, this weekend, I'm sure you were, uh, and saw some of the ads that the Jets are pushing right now. I mean, they're doing a real push right now for, you know, season ticket, season ticket membership. We've talked about it. They have to do it for the first time really ever. You know, there was front page, paper, uh, you know, uh, I think the Sun and the Free Press both had big ads. But what really stood out to me and again, maybe I'm making more of this than, than it is, but I found it interesting. Uh, like on my Instagram feed, it popped up and there was a, a video and it was four players speaking about, you know, becoming a season ticket member. It was Pierre-Luc Dubois, it was Kyle Connor, it was Nikolai Ehlers, and it was Josh Morrissey. And I mean, I think when we think about the core of this team going forward, it is those guys, but I couldn't help but notice that Mark Scheifele and Blake Wheeler, who have been the faces of this franchise for so long, not only not prominently featured, not in those at all. Now, there has been some other things where you get a picture or two of them, but let's face it, the messaging moving forward is not about 55 and 26. And I'm starting to really think that a lot of the things that we've talked about that are obvious to us watching, um, I think have been accepted by a lot of people with some, with a lot of influence, shall we say downtown. Yeah. And there's precedent to that. I mean, this organization had Patrick Liney and refused to promote him or to use him as a marketing tool. I mean, he, I think it took a couple of years for them to put him up on, on, on the arena. I mean, that's, you know, I, and I mean, I'm not, I don't know how much to look into that as far as, okay. You know, the, the season ticket holders, I mean, yeah, I think it, it suggests something or, you know, maybe it leaves the door open in the event that one, hey, or they're not selling, they're not selling 55 or 26 right now. They're selling a different group of players. And I think there's a reason for that. No, sure. Absolutely. I'm just telling, I'm just, I'm just not, you know, I can't just say absolutely. No doubt. Like I have no idea if that's, if, if that's what they're doing or if they're just, you know, if they're just marketing, maybe some of the younger guys, future guys, maybe they see the, the frustration of 55 and that the idea of seeing 55 on a season ticket, you know, pamphlet, you know, whether he's here in the future or not, just isn't appeasing to a fan who, who looks at it and get, you know, gets these feelings of, Oh, that guy, no way I'm buying tickets, whatever it might be. I don't know. But 
I, you know, clearly something's got to give. Uh, this is just, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, it's a disappointing season for fans who had such high aspirations of this or, uh, of this organization, this team. You know, you know that the, you know, the ownership, but you know, Mark Chipman is disappointed. Um, you know, it's going to be a tough situation for him. I mean, even when you go back to Maurice, I mean, he was he was physically shaken that Maurice walked away from this team. I mean, this was not something that he thought would happen. And I mean, I think you can make the argument that Maurice should have been on the hot seat. So the fact that it was so much probably not on the hot seat makes you wonder. What exactly is the situation with Kevin Sheveldev? Because, I mean, clearly heading into this season, there was absolutely no uh, thought that, this, you know, that, that, that Sheveldev would be, you know, one of, the, one of the guys out the door at the end of the year. Um, but as you see attendance, you know, lessen, as you see, a, you know, t- you talk about tickets. I mean, you used, to, you used to work in that industry, Huss. I don't, the Jets didn't even have a ticket uh, <laughs> bureau, if you will, no, uh, for years because they, shut they didn't it down. have to sell tickets. They didn't they, have they, anything. They shut so it they, down. And to their credit, yeah. when they moved from the American Hockey League to the National Hockey League in the drive for 13000 I mean, finishing up in the Moose years, I mean, you had a big group of guys that their exclusive job was season ticket sales, group tickets, all of those things. And that disappeared. To their credit, they moved people in. They, people weren't losing jobs. They, were, they did other things. But that is over right now, and well, that's um, my point. But my point is, is that that set. That my point is, it's just another example that they they, they aren't going to do something until they absolutely have to do it or feel like they have to do it. Yeah, that time is and, now. And, that's and, what and, I'm saying. And that, it and, is and, now. And, and and if we're heading that heading that's in that direction, sure. But I also could see this organization going well. You know. Was this year an anomaly? Can we go back into next season? And, and I mean, I just don't think you've seen enough whatsoever to suggest as much. And so if changes don't happen, I mean, I just, you hate to think, you know, look, I'm, you know, whether it's a danger of this team, whatever, everyone talks about how this team needs to have at least 13,000 fans in the stands. You know that the bottom line took a massive hit over COVID. So there is some, you know, serious situations here with the local hockey team, but you know, it's just it's it's one thing to have you know that kind of outside stuff, but it's a whole other thing to to sell a product that clearly is just not showing the kind of effort um, deserving of the ticket prices that you know fans shell out. No, there's no doubt about it. Jeff Hamilton's with us from the Winnipeg Free Press. Um, back to Lowry for a minute, um, because I think we all realize that he's in a very difficult situation right now. I mean, he had a great opportunity. Things haven't really gone well for him or the team. There has been, well, for whatever reasons you want, a lot of the message has not been getting through. Um, if you're Dave Lowry, what are you doing over these last nine games of the season? I mean, you know, I think he's still going out and he's going to do his best to get the best out of this hockey club. But I mean, it is somewhat of a bizarre season when you're an interim head coach that many people would think, and I'm not saying he is for sure, but somewhat of a lame duck head coach with the changes that are expected. Um, Like, what do you make of Lowry's predicament with these uh, final games, considering everything that's happened up until this point? I don't know, book a trip after the season's done and go away for a bit. Like, I don't know, get away from it all. It's been a tough go for him. I mean... Can't really say he's earned a job next year. I mean, he's, you know, I think he's tried his best. I mean, you know, he cares, but, you know, I just, I think he's, I think is that, you know, and, and the, and the fear I imagine for him is that as these games wind down, 
it's just going to get worse because nobody wants to get hurt. You know, nobody wants to go into an off season with injuries. So I don't think that the, you know, the effort is going to get ramped up here over the last eight games, because I don't think the players view it, you know, like the fans do in that, you know, this is, you know, let's play for pride or whatever. I think they're playing for next year. And, 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 and there is some understanding to that stance um, in that you don't want to get injured, but I just, I don't know, as far as, as Dave Lowry goes, you know, I think he's, I just don't think he's done enough. And, and the reality is, is this team is, is exposed in some of the worst areas, uh, you know, defensively, you know, they're, they're lame ducks in front of their net. Uh, they don't play a system that, that dictates play. Uh, you, you know, I mean, you're in game 74 and you're, and you're asking the question of what the Jets identity is. We still don't have an answer. And when you don't have an identity, you don't have a game to fall back on. And so, you know, the question will be is how much of that falls on Dave Lowry um, you know, how much of, how much of what he's tried to do or what his vision is with a full off season. I mean, again, I just, you know, I can't imagine, uh, you know, there being a Dave Lowry extension, but I'm also very curious where the jets go from here, because what are the options? What are the, you know, who are the coaches that are going to be made available this off season? Cause as we've seen, you know, around the league takes a lot less from other teams to ship their coach away than this one. So you know, what are the options available? Where do you want to go? I think that this team needs to bring in a, you know, and I think Dave Lowry has that toughness to him. I just think he's a little bit, you know, pooched from the idea that he has that interim tag on. Like, I just don't think that helped him whatsoever. Um, and, and, you know, I'm not suggesting they should have, you know, slapped a year extension on him just to give him that security. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think he was a bit of a lame duck. Again, this organization is not really one that, you know, has shown a willingness to really pull out the checkbook and pay a big time coach, um, you know, upwards of five, six million dollars a season. You know, I, you know, or, you know, you probably get a good coach for a bit less than that, too. But, you know, they need a guy that's going to come in here with a vision and get this team going, motivate this team, you know, identify you know, be able to, you know, stick up to some of the, you know, some of the leadership here and dictate, you know, a philosophy here. And then, you know, what, you know, I just, the problem with them is they've spent to the cap. So they, they, they can't be this, you know, coach can't come in and bench a bunch of guys and, 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 you know, do a lot of crazy changes because they're still kind of in that window as far as their, you know, not as far as their play, but as far as their checkbook goes. So, you know, but, but I mean, again, you know, you can't, you know, you can't, I don't know if you can go to a coach that's young and hasn't, you know, doesn't have a resume, doesn't, you know, hasn't coached in the NHL as a head coach. I think you need to bring in experience and you bring in somebody who, you know, is going to whip these guys to shape. It's a bit cliche. It's, a, you know, I'm not necessarily saying old school per se. And I know some fans out there have thrown out, you know, what if they would have gotten Daryl Sutter or what if they would have gotten, you know, Bruce Boudreaux or, you know, some of those guys, maybe Bruce Boudreaux is available. It sounds like, you know, it sounds like Vancouver Canucks might be hiring Paul Maurice. And, and so who, who knows with that? So, but I just, I just think it's a bit of a tough situation, you know, around hiring because you need to figure out who wants to come here. And then on top of it, if their vision is going to work with the organization and what they believe in. Uh, Hammer, let's get to tonight's game for a minute. No Mark Shifley, presuming... Paul Stastny moves into center, as uh, one would think. Nikolai Leers, I'm sure, will be there. 
who's on the right side or who's on the left side with those guys? And do you think it's Morgan Barron that moves up or does Morgan Barron maybe get a, a bit of an audition along with Appleton and Lowry on that third line and uh, potentially Sanford going into the top six? Well, we saw Barron on that line like for a shift or two last night. So, you know, maybe that, you know, maybe they like, I think Dave Lowry likes his physicality, maybe wants to see what, you know, putting a guy who, you know, maybe spreading out the lines a little more evenly by putting him up there. I think they're, you know, I, I, I'm I with you in the sense of maybe trying him out on that third line because that could be an actual place that he's trying out for. I don't think Morgan Barron is going to be making the jump up to the top six anytime soon. Um, so maybe that's a potential there. We know, you know, we, we know Zach Sanford's on an expiring contract. So how much loyalty do you want to show him here in the final stretch? Um, you know, it, yeah, to me, point, it's more about getting Barron in a spot that we might be able to learn something about his ability to potentially play with those guys next season. For sure. I mean, that that's a mindset I think that certainly, you know, would be a smart one. But, you know, who knows? Maybe they're thinking about, you know, maybe they're thinking about uh, just playing against a Pacific Montreal team. And so that's kind of, you know, to me, that's, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they work the lines out. But we'll, uh, yeah, we'll wait and see. I, I, at this point, I mean... Anything's up for grabs. <laughs> well, they'll drop the puck at six o'clock tonight in Montreal. Uh, are you coming back tomorrow? What's the rest of the week like for you? What will we be reading in the Winnipeg Free Press? Uh, I'll do one more. Oh, I'll get the gamer tonight. Obviously, I'll do one more story tomorrow, and then I'm off until Monday. So I'll be uh, I'll be losing myself in either Montreal and or Ottawa, and hopefully I come back. And you know, best of luck out there in Winnipeg. I wish you guys nothing but the best. I think this is going to be a a real opportunity. This is an outrage. Snow castles and all these other things. And I'll be hanging out in the, you know, 13 to 15 degrees out in Montreal. You're but. such a jerk. So you're just going to be sitting there scrolling the timeline, seeing the misery no, no, that no. is I, taken over your hometown. Brought up, but yeah, no, it just, it, it, it has worked out. Anyway, but if it wasn't, it would still be the most clutch pivot ever when it comes to travel, because it ain't going to be fun around here for a few days, dude. Hey, I, I remember that. I remember that flood of 97 that, you know, that, followed that that big that big storm and i remember having great times out with uh you know neighbors brought snowmobiles out onto the roads and stuff so you know maybe let's lean into it instead of uh being afraid but let me know how it goes get ready to get ready to sandbag when you get back um, yeah uh, i will be <laughs> hey thanks for doing this man uh, we'll look forward to uh, reading all about it in the free press tomorrow and uh, we'll talk to you real soon yeah, thanks for having me on, Huss. And as usual, thanks to the commenters and uh, people out there. I know it's been a tough sledding, but hey, good news. There's eight games left. <laughs> Jeff Hamilton bringing some fire today on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Great stuff from Hammer. Always love having him on the program. Hey, a big shout out to our friends over at Not Auto Corp. If you are thinking about getting into an electric vehicle, there's lots to learn. It is quite different than a regular car. And the experts at Not can help you with all that through their new Tesla Experience program. Find out more at Waverly and McGillivray or online at not.ca. And if you're thinking about a vehicle, electric or traditional, why not get into the car of your dreams at an incredible price with our friends over at Not again at Waverly and McGillivray. Big cheers to uh, the gang over at Little Brown Jug. Uh, there is home delivery on Wednesday. I'm not sure what the streets are going to be like Wednesday. So what you might want to do is stock up on some 1919s before the big dump comes a little later on this week. Of course, you can get it down at the tap room on William Avenue or get the great taste of Little Brown Jug at your local beer store or liquor marts in and around the city of Winnipeg. And again, you can order online normal circumstances they're delivering wednesdays fridays and saturdays all information and ordering is online at little brown jug 
Ca. Hey, I saw DQ Nick in here a little earlier. Had another stack burger on the weekend. My God, are those things great. If you haven't tried the new burgers at DQ, what are you waiting for? And listen, I know we said that we were getting into blizzard season, meaning that, you know, we were going to eat lots of blizzards at the Nick and Nicky DQ. Not exactly what we were thinking about this week, uh, but it is coming. Of course, the great taste of blizzard also available at all four Nick and Nicky DQs, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's through Winnipeg locations available on your favorite delivery app. And you can hit them up for custom-made cakes and more on Instagram at DU Manitoba. All right, we're going to talk to the Z-Man coming up in just a second. And uh, every time we talk golf on Winnipeg Sports Talk, we do it for our friends at Breezy Bend. A little bit of a special Breezy Bend golf report with Z coming in. But of course, coming off that incredible Masters tournament, there is a lot to get to. If you're thinking about an incredible long-term home on the golf course for you and your family, consider Breezy Bend. Spots on their waiting list are available right now. Find out more by uh, talking to our friend Corey Johnson over at Breezy, and you can find out more on all their packages and what the course has for you, including the great new additions on the golf course at breezybend.ca. Also a great spot if you're hosting an event like a wedding coming up in future summers. Breezybend.ca. All right, for our Breezy Golf Report, we break down the Masters, and let's do it with our guy, the Z-Man. It is the one and only Z-Man, Mark Zacchino. Z, thanks so much for doing this. How are you? I'm I'm great. I'm coming down from uh, the year's first major. Uh, you know, wow, what a week in Augusta. And uh, I mean, now I'm really curious about what's coming up over the next four or five months of the golf season because, I mean, we have storylines between Tiger Woods and Scotty Scheffler. We've got storylines now heading into summer that we never thought in a million years we were going to have. You know what? I obviously we'll get to Tiger, but let's start with Scotty Scheffler. I mean, you've covered this game and been involved in it for a long time. Um, like, where does this last two months rank amongst the uh, the best runs in golf history? Pretty amazing run. You know, we we've seen runs like this in the past. They they come around every you know seven eight years or so. The last one we probably saw this good was. Jordan Spieth in 2015, Jason Day did a similar run around the same time. Uh, then you go back to the 2000s. Of course, I'm I, of course I'm eliminating Tiger Woods from this conversation because you know he that those are Gretzky numbers. Let's just forget about that. But uh, other than Tiger, you know, VJ had a run that was crazy about uh, 10 years prior to uh, that Jordan Spieth Jason Day time in 2015, and then. You know, Dave Duvall in 99 went on a crazy run. So they happen. Um, and it's just a matter of, you know, how long can the player ride the wave? I feel like this one might be a little different in the sense that, you know, I think this wave can be sustained very similar to some of those previously mentioned. Like all those players were incredible players and those waves la lasted multiple seasons. Um you know, Scotty Scheffler doesn't really do anything. You you wouldn't say he's the world's best at anything other than he's officially ranked world number one. He must be, he's the world's best at winning right now. But I mean, he's not the longest player in the world, but he's long. He's not the best iron player in the world, but he's sharp. He's not the best short game on the planet, but he leads the PGA Tour right now in scrambling. So, I mean, all the boxes are checked. 
And to a lot of golf fans, maybe not golf fans, but certainly sports fans, this will probably come a little bit as, oh, you know, where did this guy come from? Like this happened from nowhere. Well, the wins happen quite quickly. The wins have come from nowhere. But this has been two years in the making. He, you know, he's the 2020 Rookie of the Year. In 2021, he had a, a large bucket of top tens and top fives at very big events, which led to an undefeated record at the Ryder Cup. So the 24 months that have led into this last 60 days, he has really kind of put the pieces in place to get here. Now, none of us anticipated this. You, you cannot anticipate four wins in two months, including a major. But we all thought sooner or later, Scotty Scheffler was going to start to win. We've been waiting for that. We just didn't think it was going to come like this. Z, and, and he is a unique player. I mean, you know, especially with the incredible cameras they're using at the Masters, you really get to sort of break down, you know, what these players are doing, watching them, especially when the guy's been leading the tournament the entire week with how many shots we saw of him. He has some of the most bizarre footwork off the tee I think I've ever seen. 100%. It's uh, footwork like Bubba Watson. It's uh, footwork that is, uh, you know, it's a bit of a throwback to a certain degree. But, I mean, I love that. I love the homegrown swing. Like, he's had one golf instructor his entire life who was there with him on Sunday to, to celebrate in this. And, you know, this is, this is a guy that's pretty much swung the golf club the entire exactly the same way his entire life and found a coach that was not going to change him that found a coach that said, okay, let's find out what you do well. And let's give you the opportunity to just do what you do well more often. I'm not going to try to reconstruct the wheel here. And I, and I love that. And I think that's why it works so well under pressure. I mean, he mentioned how bloody nervous he was Saturday and Sunday, stomach pains the entire weekend. He actually broke down in tears Sunday morning because he just could just basically having anxiety attacks. And when he got inside the ropes and got a couple of pars under his belt, he just started to calm down. And I think if you don't own your golf swing, and you're not a, a completely comfortable in what you do, and it doesn't feel natural to you, there is no way you're going to feel comfortable in that moment. You know, if you're out there, we always like to say, I like the guys that play golf, not golf swing. And when guys get too mechanical, or they're trying to do something that an instructor is, you know, imposing upon them, or in many times in Tiger's career, when he was working with instructors later on in his career, and he was trying to swing the golf club the way they were telling him to swing it. I think, you know, you get into the habit of playing golf swing and you never own that under pressure. And we can't say that about Scotty Scheffler. It's a complete opposite. He's swinging the same way he swung it now that he did 15 years ago, the swing he was born with. And, and it really holds up when the chips are down. Well, and, and you mentioned the scrambling um, and the pars on the first couple holes. I mean, those were sketchy pars, and he did it at the same time that Cam Smith was birdieing one and two. They get to the third tee. He's got a one-shot lead, and Jim Nance said he's never seen anybody hit it as far left as Scotty Scheffler did on the third hole. That being said, to me, that tournament was won with one of the most brilliant 
uh, chip-ins you will see. And, of course, Cam Smith bogeyed that hole, and it seemed like Scotty could sort of breathe. And from there on in, he was uh, he was away. What did you make of the of number three? And um, do you agree that that was maybe the most impactful moment of Sunday's round? I, I think it was the most impactful moment, and I think the entire golf tournament just comes down to, to two moments. Uh, the biggest one, three, I agree. And there's a there's a, a domino effect there. I mean, first, he is fortunate enough to get relief from the scoreboard, which gives him an open lane to the green. Otherwise, he was completely stymied behind several trees. So he gets... Uh, gets to use the rules to his advantage and get free relief from the scoreboard, which then gives him line of sight. Then he is fortunate enough to chip it in. It was a brilliant third, but if it doesn't hit the hole, it's 15 feet, 18 feet past the hole, and he's got the same par putt. Uh, you know, he's got the same par putt as what uh, Cameron Smith ended up with. So, I mean, a lot of a lot of things need to line up there, and I, I thought that was the largest moment in the tournament. And then the second moment in the tournament, I, I really think was, you know, Cameron Smith was a huge birdie at 11. Massive two-shot swing at 11, and he goes for the flag at 12 and rinses it in Race Creek, and we've seen it so many times, number 12 over the years, you know, b- bite players. Uh, you know, on Sunday's coverage, I, before we went to network coverage, I brought up Cameron Smith and showed Cameron Smith's key shot on Sun on Monday, I should say, at the Players' Championship when he took on that flag at the Island Green and got away with it and won his Players' Championship. And I said to Lindsey Hamilton, I said, Lindsey, we might end up with a situation on 12 later on this afternoon where Cameron Smith is faced with a tee shot on 12 and a decision whether to go at the flag or not, and we'll see if he decides to do what he did at 17. And if he decides to play aggressive, will he get away with it? I, can't, I said, I just can't wait to see this unfold. And sure enough, five, six hours later, we were, we were dealt that exact hand, and this time he got burnt. So for me, those are the two moments of this entire golf tournament um, and it's, you know what, it's not the first time or the last time we're going to see 12, uh, decide this golf tournament. Aachen masters with Mark Zacchino of a TSN golf talk, Canada, PGA tour radio and more, uh, Z let's talk about Corey Connors, um, his third top 10 at Augusta, uh, and a really gutsy back nine to stay out there in that top 10. What do you think about uh, Corey's uh, four days? Well, I know just this golf course just sets up so well for Corey. Uh, three top tens in a row. I mean, it's a second shot golf course. Uh, typically, the best iron players in the world are typically the players that win at Augusta. Um, the main, re- other than Tiger's Magic, you know, the main reason he's won five Green Jackets is, he, you know, he's the greatest iron player of this generation. The reason Jack Nicklaus won six Green Jackets is no one could hit. No one could hit his irons higher in, in, in that era than Jack. Jack would hit those towering, high, soft irons and be able to, you know, control the, the bounces and, and the speed of these greens. And, you know, it led to six green jackets. So it's no surprise to me that Corey Connors, who, you know, is near or at the top of most iron categories year in, year out on the PGA Tour, does well at Augusta. I, I guess the big question is going to be, you know, does the putter ever catch up with Corey uh, on, for four days in Augusta? Leading into Sunday's round, before we got to Sunday, for the, you know, the 50s, 
50 players in ties that made the cut and head to the weekend, Corey was only beating six of them with the putter. I mean, he was giving away a lot of shots to the field with the flat stick. And eventually you're going to need to get some putts to fall. And eventually you're going to need to putt with a little bit more aggression when you get to the weekend and maybe not be as defensive on the greens uh, as what you are typically programmed. And that's a lot easier said than done around there. As you know, you get that golf ball on the wrong side, those greens start to get a little brown. They get a little quicker as the week goes on. It's hard to putt, you know, and not worry about the one coming back. And, but at the end of the day, that's how you've got to win green jackets. But you know, I expect Corey to win at some point very soon. It might, it might not be a green jacket. It might not be a, a major, but he's in the field this week at, at RBC Heritage, and this is a perfect golf course for him down at Harbortown. And sooner or later, he's going to grab that second career win, likely going to be somewhere on the PGA Tour at a place like Harbortown. And, and I got to think it's going to happen over the next three or four months. Z, uh, we were all focused on Scotty Scheffler and Cameron Smith, but what a show Rory McIlroy and Colin Morikawa put on in that final round uh, with maybe the coolest way to end a Masters tournament for the two of them playing together. Yeah, they just brought it too late, right? They waited till Sunday to bring the A game. And what an exp- what, what a moment, though, on 18. And Morikawa has been steady this year, but has not had his best stuff you know that Morikawa is going to win a green jacket in the next three or four years without question. This guy is going to have a green jacket, and he will be a story in every major throughout the summer moving forward. I find Rory the real question mark here. Um, I mean, Rory's got to start to change his approach to majors. I mean, he's not in this golf tournament really at all until we get to Sunday, and he shoots a record 64, his lowest round ever at Augusta. And backdoor is a second-place finish, and he's out there fist-pumping, and the emotions are running high, and he's enjoying himself, and he's feeding off the crowd, and he has all this energy. Yet on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, he looks like a zombie out there, and he's he's just trying to stay so level-headed, and he looks like a different guy. And, and I really think that Rory's got to stop being – stop trying to force himself to be something he's not. Rory's an emotional guy. He shows that every, every other year at the Ryder Cup. And he's amazing, usually, at most Ryder Cups. And when Rory's having fun and, and just being his natural self, which is a guy that is very transparent and does not hide his feelings or emotions, he's brilliant. So I think he's just got to learn to go with that and figure out how do I show up on a Thursday and feed off this crowd and be aggressive and have fun and go for it. I mean, this very conservative, quiet Rory McIlroy that we get Thursday through Saturday is just not working. And the guy we get on Sundays when he's kind of not really in it and he's kind of out of it and is playing with house money and nothing to lose might be the most fun person you can watch play golf on the PGA Tour. So uh, we need more of that Rory on Thursday. And if we get it, look out. Because, I mean, when he's at his best, when you get the Rory we got on Sunday, he's the best player in the world. He just needs to figure out how to find that guy on a Thursday morning. Mark Sakino's with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk, talking Masters. Cannot have this conversation without mentioning Tiger Woods. Um, I mean, the first round, I think, was something so special. Makes the cut on Friday. It was a tough weekend, but overall, um, I think just the sport, sports in general, 
better off with Tiger in it. I mean, uh, what did you make of the odyssey that was his four days and how impressed with you that he was able to just get it done? I just, I, I, I just can't, I've always been more impressed with, with the, his ability to will, you know, he used to will the golf ball in the hole. He really did. And, and now he is just willing himself through four rounds of golf. I, I mean, I find it amazing that not only is he able to do this, but that he still wants to do this. Like to have the desire and the, and the passion and the drive at 46 years old after, you know, almost losing his leg, five back surgeries, three knee operations, everything he's gone through in the public eye. Uh, all the battle scars to even want to do this, never mind be able to do it, is absolutely incredible. Um, and now it is simply a matter of how healthy this body can get. Because I think there's a couple of things that he has proven in the last four days or so. Uh, his ball speed is still there. He can still hit the golf ball. He can still play golf shots. He still has the desire and passion to do this, which must, be, which might be the most important uh, piece of this recipe. And now it leaves us only one question left: How healthy can he get? Like he's never going to get a hundred percent again. But for most people we spoke to on the ground this week, he played this golf tournament at sixty, sixty-five percent. I mean, that's literally where he was at from you know from a physical standpoint. If you were asked Tiger. Where are you in the rehab? And he wouldn't give you this number. But most people close enough to Tiger, the number they were floating around was 60 or 65%. So where are you in this rehab process? And that's where he's at. So the question is, can he get to 80%? Can he get to 85%? And if so, when can he get there by? And I think that's the reason why he committed to the Open Championship at St. Andrews. And he left the door open for the PGA and the USGA. Because I think in his mind, in his brain, July is a realistic opportunity, a realistic window to get back to that 80 85% healthy mark where that's the guy we're going to see play golf for the remainder of his career, whatever that is. And the PGA in 30 days and the U.S. Open in another 60 days, I'm not so sure he knows where in this rehab process he's going to be. So he left it open, and if he surprises himself and he, he's at 80% a month from now, he'll probably play the PGA Championship. But I think that's the reason why he left it so kind of open and kind of left it out there. But, you know, I spoke to Doug Bell today on Golf Talk Canada Radio, who's a good friend of mine, and he's known Tiger a long time. And we worked together on the PGA Tour radio team. And, and, and just before we ended the interview today, he said, Mark, you know, I need you to, we, we all got to think about something. When Tiger plays at St. Andrews in July, which is one of his favorite golf courses in the world, along with Augusta National and Pebble Beach and probably a handful others, it'll be the last time we ever get to see Tiger Woods play St. Andrews uh, in a competitive nature. And that kind of hit home on the 150th anniversary of the open championship at the home of golf. This will be the last time we ever see Tiger Woods, because even if Tiger stays healthy for three or four more years, the open championship is not going to be back at St. Andrews anytime soon after this. And Tiger, you will certainly think is not playing golf by the next time it comes around. So let's just enjoy this summer of Tiger, whatever we get. Just watch him win at St. Andrews. 
<laughs> that would be unbelievable. <laughs> uh, would be. Hey, just on the way out, any players that um, were left left you wanting more uh, that disappointed you over the course of uh, this tournament? Well, Morikawa disappointed me a little bit in the sense that in a similar boat to Rory, he waited till Sunday to bring it. His performance uh, was lackluster, um, you know, for three days. And he really played the Masters, you know, with his C game. Uh, maybe his B minus game is the best you could give him, and he managed to shoot uh, to, to place fifth. Um, there are some head scratching performances here, though. If you think about it, John Rahm lost in the wilderness, and this was a, a player that just a few weeks ago was world number one in the world still, and you know, firing on all cylinders when we started the calendar year of 2022. Nowhere to be found, John Rahm. Jordan Spieth on a golf course that he knows inside out and absolutely loves. Misses the cut. Uh, DeChambeau, against doctor's orders, plays this tournament and plays two rounds and goes home. You know, do we see DeChambeau anytime soon? Like, DeChambeau needs 60, 60 days off golf, and he's got to learn to rest this hand or he's never going to get healthy again. So, I mean, we got so many question marks coming out of this uh Coming out of this Masters, it is just unbelievable, and we're only 30 days away from the next major, and I don't know if we're going to have any of these these questions answered between now and then. No doubt about it. What's next for you, Z, man? I am on my way to Florida Wednesday morning. Going to be working for uh, PGA Tour Live and ESPN Plus, doing uh, hosting the featured group coverage on PGA Tour Live for RBC Heritage. So hopefully I get to cover a little Corey Connors in our featured group coverage because uh, – I'd uh, love to see him do well down there. And the field at Harbortown's fantastic. And then next week, uh, PGA Tour Radio for the Zurich Classic of New Orleans. And, of course, Golf Talk Canada is going to be every week. So no rest for the wicked. <laughs> Z, keep it up. Thanks so much for doing this. Hopefully we can catch up again soon in a few weeks. But I uh, really appreciate it. And, uh, wow, what a tournament. Awesome. All the best. We'll do it soon. All right, great stuff with Z-Man, as always. One of our favorites talking golf here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Hey, some congratulations are in order to some uh, winners from the Masters pool. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, but a big shout-out to Pitt and the gang at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge who are ready for their busiest season ever out at Aikens Lake. There is still some availability in a few spots this year. So if you're thinking about reconnecting with family and friends or maybe an incredible corporate team building event, uh, listen, many offices have closed. People have been working remotely. Aikens is the perfect offsite location to gather everyone in a business. Uh, we've seen tons of corporate gatherings there over the years, and they always seem to be a massive hit. If you're thinking about a world-class fly-in fishing location, not too far away from Winnipeg, Aikens, place, Aikens Lake is the place at akinslake.com and by the way if you uh, they are looking for one more guide i can tell you that this is like the dream job of dream jobs for uh young people maybe in university if you have someone that might fit the bill you can hit pit up on twitter at akinslake or give them in uh, an email or follow in the uh, the website at akinslake.com um it's official it is here the canadian club and ginger sure to be the drink of the summer available now, not just at Manitoba liquor marts, but in beer stores as well. Uh, if you've tried the great taste of CC and ginger before now, no mixing needed at all. Ready to drink in six packs of cans ready for you. And this month at 26 Manitoba liquor marts, you'll also be able to get a free can with any purchase 
of Canadian Club. Not to mention, uh, roll this week, an amazing extra air miles promotion on Canadian Club at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. Try it out wherever you get beer or mixed drinks. The new Canadian Club and Ginger available throughout Manitoba. All right, we'll get to the cool bet lines in a minute before the end of the program. But Remo, as I just mentioned, some uh, some congratulations are in order. I know Stickster has been doing a touchdown dance, and justifiably so, all see, all show long, because he won the big 50-person tournament. C. Bergen in second. T. Conapoli, great run. He was in third place. Steve-O in fourth. And Hammerballs getting me by one stinking point to get into the money. Overall, though, as you know, being a Scotty Scheffler backer was a very, very good weekend, both in DK and over at Cool Bet. Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, Masters, first major of the year, brings a lot of people to pools and picking golfers. Uh, I didn't fare as well. I only had five of six make the cut, but uh, still fun to participate in. Follow along. I was just disappointed that it wasn't like I turned it on. I was like, "Well, this isn't isn't close. Where's the where's the drama here?" Now maybe there was some drama where he missed the putts. On well, that at the end. But I mean, as we talked about with Z Man, it was all about that third hole. Mm-hmm. I mean, he hit that ball so far left, and as Z Man correctly pointed out, did get a very very nice ruling with the temporary stands, and was able to bring it back and get it into a window where he could hit a shot. Um, didn't hit the green, but that to hold that chip when Cam Smith bogeyed was really the turning point of it. And, um, you know, Scheffler, three or four rounds, all under par, had uh, such a comfortable lead on 18 that, yeah, the four jack was uh, a little bit of unnecessary theater, I'm sure, from Scotty's perspective. Uh, but he got it done. And, man, four wins in the last six events, I think, now for for Scotty Scheffler. Quickest player ever to go from winning his first PGA Tour event to world number one, um, and then to win the Masters after already being number one. It looks like Scotty Scheffler is going to be up near the top for quite a while. Uh, 30-person contest, shout out to Jay Weiss, MG Sheldon one, and Jason Jett, who took down the top three spots. Um, Remo, let's get to Blue Jays season is on. And I got to tell you, my one takeaway from the Blue Jays this year is to take the over every single game. Um, man, they can hit. But yikes, uh, some iffy pitching at times on the weekend. Although 2-1, and one, you got to like win in the first series of the year. I mean, it wasn't exactly the way you draw it up on Friday. Uh, you're all excited, packed house for the home opener. Uh, Jose Barrios, the guy you traded for last year, not exactly uh, the way you draw it up. Going down 7-zip. And then winning, you know, winning 10 8. Um, absolutely incredible. The Still video- covering the run line, too, which you will recall yeah. I had from Friday's show. Jose Hol- Barrios, like one third of an inning pitched and four earned runs given up. Um, absolutely wild game. You know, shout out to uh, the bats, though, to Oscar Hernandez with the hit, but also the big catch at the end of the game. And the crowd there was so fired up. They were go- it was going viral, the crowd. There's also, they have the umpires mic'd up now on, like, safe calls. And when the guy called, I think it was Hernandez, safe at the plate on a bang-bang play, the crowd went, it was, someone joked on Twitter, it might have been um, Jared Karabas, they popped, like, a WWE crowd when Stone Cold, you hear the glass break. Uh, they were so fired up there for the Jays. 
I think expectations, not I think, we know they're very high. They were like number, number two on the betting odds for the World Series. But yes, go with the overs on the Jays. Ten runs on Friday. Uh, yesterday, Hunjin Ryu took a liner off his leg and had to leave the game. Already, already wasn't pretty. Saturday's game, they won you know, a bit low score on 4-3. And we know their bats are good, but the pitching is going to have to you know, keep, keep them lower than uh, however many runs they've, they've been giving up. But hey, 2-1, and one, as you said, they don't, ask, uh, you know, they don't ask how it's done. You just get the wins and you move forward. Win the series, moving on. We'll have a lot of fun talking Jays this season. If the first weekend of the year is any indication of what we've got coming up in the next 159, it's going to be a fun, fun roller coaster of a year for the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, closer to home, Remus, we do have some baseball breaking news of a Winnipeg variety. Uh, I was doing my concession insider work on the weekend. And as I said, lots of talk on the streets that the beer bat is coming to Shaw Park. And uh, Andrew Collier, general manager of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, confirmed some very exciting news. A new ballpark Caesar and beer bats at the games this year, which um, got a lot of people talking on social media. Yeah, I don't know what a beer bat is, but I saw this picture you retweeted at a Tigers game. So this is a plastic baseball bat filled with beer. Exactly. Do we what know a, what, a, what a wonderful way to enjoy a ballpark cold one? And you get to take the bat home and play wiffle ball with it. Is that confirmed? for sure? Souvenir bat for uh, for the little guy ream. You're going to be a hero every time you go to a go to a Gold Eyes game. Coming back s- with eight bats for your kid. How many milliliters of a beer is? In, or I want to say they're twenty six ounces. I believe so. What? That sounds That's what large. my sources. That's what my sources are telling. That sounds me. large. I'm gonna Google it really quick here. Well, I mean, How a standard pint ML is like sixteens. Is well, I mean, I'm sure there's different oh, sizes. That's not that, of, oh, that's not that bad. That's only that's like seven fifty. It's like a king can. Yeah, it's basically. I mean, a twelve a can is twelve ounces, so it's slightly more than two beers. Oh, sounds like a great deal. For sure. Yeah, I'll have to go. Well, the I saw they just put out the promotional schedule, actually, the Gold Eyes, too. I'll have to. I haven't uh, taken a, a big look at it, but. Jay uh, Miller, Jay Miller wondering if beer snakes are possible. I guess technically you could probably put the bottom of a beer bat into another one, but um, you'd basically be looking like a lightsaber or something like that by the end of it. Yeah, here's the, um, here's the promotional schedule. We can bring it up. Right here, I see Bacon Night is coming back. Oh, not uh, to pull fi- out the bacon jersey for that one. Fireworks Night, Country Night. Uh, what else do they got here? Bo- a Golden Boy Bobblehead. So they got a lot of stuff. Home opener on. on May 13th. So we've got about a month to go. Mm. Hopefully the snow will be gone by then. <laughs> yeah, you think <laughs> it will be? get this year. Uh, I would imagine it will be. Um, but yeah, we'll get Andrew on. We'll get a number of the uh, the fish uh, coaching staff, management, players, and uh, hoping to get out and do a few games, do a few shows from the ballpark this year. And we'll certainly have a WST gathering down at the ballpark as well for a game or two. So baseball's back, at least on the majors, just around the corner for us here in Winnipeg, despite the uh, biggest blizzard in decades coming up later on this week. Uh, something that we just have to deal with, but it is just around the corner, everybody. And again, go to goldeyes.com for all the information on ticketing as well as the promotional schedule for the upcoming year. 
Um, some horrible news on the weekend, Remus. Um, the tragic death of Dwayne Haskins, Steelers quarterback, former Washington football team QB, and Ohio State star, killed, hit by a dump truck, walking or running on the side of the interstate in Florida. And um, man, it's just uh, sent shockwaves throughout the league. Um, you know, some unfortunate insider tweets. I know Adam Schefter was taking a lot of heat for the way that was handled. And Gil Brandt getting dragged for some of his comments. Uh, but the bottom line is Dwayne Haskins, I don't believe, was even 25 years old. Um, you know, beloved by a number of his teammates, certainly back to the Ohio State days and, uh, you know, gone too soon. But just tragic news in the National Football League this weekend. Yeah, that was um, a bit of a shocker uh, seeing that one on on Saturday. And yeah, I, I think disappointing the way that it was editorialized by. Uh, some of the insiders there. I mean, the guy, young player, had a you know, long life ahead of him. I saw some of the emotional tweets. Um, Chase Claypool, my teammate Chase Claypool. Um, very tragic. Yeah, 24, very tragic. Uh, very very sad. So that was the big NFL news uh, on the weekend. Yeah, that was talking. Now, in a much better piece of news, Jeff Malott, our guy, who is now the leading scorer, point scorer on the Manitoba Moose, who have clinched the playoffs, as we mentioned at the start of the year. Uh, very interesting Saturday night after he and the guys uh, played against the Chicago Wolves. Because he got a chance to see his brother Mark make his UFC debut. And what a debut it was. The brother of the Moose sniper beating the crap out of Mickey Gall. I think stopping him four minutes into the first round. And uh, apparently they had quite the watch party with the Moose after the game. Uh, but Remo, I know you watched some of the fights on the weekend. I didn't catch a lot of it, but man, did I hear a lot about Mark Malott and his knockout of Mickey Gall. Very, very cool story with the Moose connection. Yeah, we got Fedge Malott, Jeff Malott with the Moose, Mike Malott in the UFC. Big knockout. Um, yeah, big big weekend uh, for UFC fights. UFC 273. I did tune in and watch the Korean Zombie uh, just take shots to the face until Herb Dean had to step in in the main event. The what did you describe it before the show? It was oh, like I, Homer? I was like, it was like Homer Simpson when he became a boxer, just sitting there taking shots until the other guy got tired. Um, I forget the name. You know, I'm not up to date with the names of the guys as I was in the mid-2000s, but um, I was entertained by uh, the what, fight of the night, the third last fight, Burns and I forget, uh, Chimera or whatever. That was, uh, that was an excellent fight. So. You know, the big fights all tune in, but you know, I, there's, there's too many for me to keep track of. Oh, yeah, the other one was Aljamain Sterling. Uh, I thought he, he should have won. That was a decision. Some of these decisions get controversial, but uh, I didn't. There was some great fights uh, on the main card, that's for sure. But Mike Mott, uh, what is UFC debut, big win. Oh, Mike, sorry, I called him Mark. Well, yeah, uh, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll get Fedge back on the program heading into the playoffs, talk moose, but uh, also um, talk to a proud brother after uh, watching his bro get it done in the octagon on the weekend and remo this caught uh got i think caught a few people off guard but uh opening weekend in the cpl and valor fc was on the pitch now they won't start at home until the first of may uh and it was somewhat of a heartbreaking result i mean you don't mind getting a draw on the road i guess but when you're up in the final minutes we're hanging on to a one nothing lead you don't want to let that one slip they did uh, but still, 1-1, Valor FC on the board. First point to the season. 
Uh, congratulations to Phil Dos Santos for, uh, you know, first official match this season with Valor, although he did take over at the end of the year. And uh, tell you what, we talked a lot about Gold Eyes coming up this summer. I'm looking forward to going and seeing the lads out at IGF at some point very soon once the season gets started next month for the home portion of the schedule. Yeah, real smart scheduling by the uh, CPL uh, not having a home game this week in Winnipeg. Yeah, next few weeks, actually. Just who, keep April off the schedule in Winnipeg. Who knew? Um, it was 10 degrees yesterday, and apparently Blizzard, biggest one we've seen in decades, coming tomorrow night and Wednesday. So There's going to be lots. See. It's going to be WBT tomorrow. Winnipeg Blizzard talk on the show. We will, of course, get to the Jets, but they're probably... I'm going to see if Rob Zobbs can come by and give us, uh, give us the lowdown. Maybe we'll lean on uh, Colleen Brady or something like that. The important news yeah, I'll put delivering up, it here on WST. I'll just get a graphic and get you in front. You can start doing Oh, doing your you know thing. what? That's a good call. We should do a blizzard warning or something like that. Just, uh, and by the way, if you go to your weather app right now, if, what is this, the weather network, you yeah. Winnipeg, the first thing that you see, winter storm watch, and then underneath the, uh, underneath the temperature, a red exclamation mark with worst blizzard in decades looms. If that's not ominous, I don't know what is, dude. I, again, I usually don't like buy this stuff because like the weather predictors are often not correct, but I mean, they don't put these warnings out for no reason. So we'll see. That's all I got. <laughs> I, think, I mean, I, I, think, I, I, I think we are going to see, unfortunately. I went to uh, Costco yesterday, so I think I'm okay, but yeah, I mean, be. I don't think it's going to be, I mean, I don't know what's going to be. I have no idea. I just remember, I do remember the 97 blizzard uh, getting home was pain, but I think I'm in the city, so I don't know if I have to worry as much about these guys like Jeff Cabellas and Chad. The highway, the perimeter is closed literally like once, once a month. And like, you can't do anything. Yeah. Eight times this year, the perimeter has been closed. I don't really remember the perimeter ever really closing before. And it's been nonstop this year. And yeah, well, I'll, Kabilis, you better make sure to join us. I'm very interested to hear how things are uh, going to be out in your neck of the woods. Uh, of course, we'll be talking about that as everyone will be. And of course, more on the Jets who are playing the Habs tonight, which uh, speaking of which, Remo, as we go to the cool bet lines for today, that's it. The Jets and Habs, the only game on the NHL schedule tonight. Jets a minus 119 favorite against the Habs at plus 102. Total in the game, six and a half. Um, yeah, like who's making that? I know this is a, probably a rescheduled game, right? Is it? Or I don't know. But why is I don't there think one, it is. Why is there one game tonight? What? Who makes this? NHL schedule is so frustrating sometimes. Like one game. I guess it's the national game as well. So all of Canada gets to watch. This. I guess this was supposed to be like the Shifley return to Montreal yeah. after last year. They wanted so to highlight it. <laughs> hey, but uh, well, that's not happening. Um, but I'll tell you what, we didn't really hit NBA and we certainly will be going forward because the uh, Raptors are set for the playoffs and they are taking on the Philadelphia 76ers ream. And we're seeing the Raptors plus 150 on the series. Sixers minus 172. Got to tell you, the Raptors are such a unique team. I know a lot of people are pretty uh, high on Philly after getting James Harden and whatnot. Embiid may very well be the MVP of the league this year. But I'll tell you what, I kind of like the Raptors' chances going up against Philly. They match up well, and uh, man, they play so well as a team. Nick Nurse has the team rolling right now. 
And we've seen the way they've crept up from the play-in all the way to fifth right now. I don't think anybody wants to deal with the Raptors in a seven-game series right now, to be honest. Yeah, I'm looking at the time for game one. I'm shocked. Saturday at 5 p.m. Usually usually they get the... Uh, 11.30 a.m.? Yeah, usually, but that's Utah-Dallas. So um, I guess they got they locked into a good matchup against Philly. As you mentioned, Joel Embiid playing so well, and they got James Harden. Uh, Philly's a five-point favorite. I think it'll be tight. I, I might have to tune in. I haven't watched too much Raptors this year, but hard not to hop on the bandwagon. I'll have to switch my hat to a Raptors hat. I got one. I got one over here. Yeah, we'll do something setting up the playoffs a little later on this week. But of course, tonight we'll focus in on the Jets and Habs. I am actually going to be doing a little double duty tonight. I'll jump on with uh, Dave afterwards on uh, Legal Curve. I don't know. Drew is off gallivanting somewhere. And I think Ezzy is as well. So uh, uh, before you get to Kenny and Rennie, pop on over and uh, I'll be hanging with uh, Dave over at IllegalCurve.com. Again, if you want to get on the wraps or you want to get on the Montreal Canadiens, of course, you can do it all at CoolBet. Use uh, that promo code WST for a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $200. Uh, Anything else going on tonight, Reem? I guess uh, you can PVR uh, WWE and check that out in the morning or maybe after the game. What do I have? One of my friends texted me he's going to Slipknot at Canada Life. I'm, he asked me if I wanted to go. I'm not a Slipknot guy, so I've never really Anybody in chat going to Slipknot? I'm, yes. I'd be interested if there are any WSTers mm. that are going to be uh, raging down at Canada Life Center tonight. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not going. Um, I'm trying to think. I know baseball's on. I'll, I may watch some baseball. Do some stuff uh, for the show as well. Everyone's asking me to put in um, that Jeff Hamilton segment segment as a separate video. People are fired up about Jeff's appearance earlier, so I may do that as well. Hammer, uh, hammer lit it up. Always great having Jeff on the program. And, uh, of course, we'll uh, be talking about it tomorrow on the program. Mike McIntyre is going to join us, and uh, who knows what else we'll have. Maybe a trip out to Montreal, maybe a little bit on the upcoming blizzard, uh, but we'll certainly have the latest for the Jets. And, I know what the situation for the game is on Wednesday uh, as to whether the Seattle Kraken are going to be able to make it into town or whether this game will be on. Uh, big thanks to all the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen each and every day. Aikens Lake, Wilderness Lodge, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend, Golf & Country Club, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Boston Pizza, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, Cool Bet Canada, and of course, our great partners over at Princess Auto. Folks, thanks so much for being with us. Enjoy the game tonight, and we'll talk to you tomorrow, 1 o'clock, right after a lock shop at noon, here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great night. Oh, my God! Shut it down! Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.